Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and imperial stouts make everything better. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys. And this week we are reading War and Peace by Leo Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy. And starting with two beers... So this is a very special day for us because it's it's uh, because our this last book day is on Earth. Finally, fucking over. <laughs> we are going to, in the spirit of the NCAA, whatever the fuck it's called, playoffs, which I don't ever watch and understand how they work. I think they're actually over by now. They are now, but not now in the recording time. I mean, even the recording time are they still going on? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't even know <laughs> the the foosball. We are having a sixteen imperial stout bracket thing going on here we're drinking 16 imperial stouts and we made march magnus brackets for our 16 beers so we're going to start with so yeah exactly the stout 16 so we're going to start with two and then we're going to move on and and so we're going to pick the winner from each round but based on two and then move to the next round and so we will eventually discover or come up with the best imperial stout out of the 16 uh yeah and there is a wide wide variety of imperial stouts here for us to have and uh, I am I am uh, absolutely giddy thinking about this. I'm not thrilled. This has been an exciting time accumulating these. That's so our lot. first two, the one that has a smaller head, gentlemen, is Yada from Finback, our, our longtime friends and uh, and vague supporters of the show. And <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it is a, like a snacky imperial stout with coconut and hazelnut and coffee, I believe, that I have a keg of. And it definitely smells like coconut. And the other one is, uh, I don't know where the can went. It's right here. Uh, this is Retribution by Duclaw. It's a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. Chocolate, caramel, cookie. Gentlemen, taste your engines. Cheers, gentlemen. Jada is really good. It's fucking Jada intensely good. That's why it's the number one seed. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, it's pretty good, yeah. Retribution is also really good. It is. It's really good. It is excellent. If it was against anything other than Jada... Yada. I feel bad voting against it, but it's Yada. Someone's going to win, yeah. yeah. Yada is fucking amazing. I don't like coconut or stouts, but for some reason, this shit just works. It's pure dessert. It's liquid liquid dessert. It is very nice. Yep. I'm going to have to vote Yada on that one as I, well. As of I. Okay. Well, that's an easy first round. Sorry, Retribution, but... Hey, Retribution is a nice barrel. I actually don't get a lot of the barrel stuff out of it either. No. I mean, there's this faint coconut flavor in there, but yada, you get exactly what's on there. The way it was explained to me by uh, the guy at Finback was that they had done a whole bunch of these, including one we're going to have a little bit later, and one we had, or will have, when we do the Telltale Hard, uh, of these big dessert stouts, and they all had one-named things, and one was like heinous, wretched, blah, 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 and, it's like, and then it's yada, yada, yada. Like that's like their thing, and then yada also means something in Swedish or wherever the fuck the other brewery is from. That's how it was explained to me. He could have been fucking with me, but it sounded believable. Anything's possible. And he didn't, you know, he gave me a break on some of the beers, so I'll trust him. I trust him. So, war and peace. Oh fuck, that's right. We're not just drinking beer. <laughs> the biggest book ever. Just about, yeah. One of them, yeah. That is definitely so, the longest is, book I've ever read. In terms of like popular culture, it's the biggest book of all time. There are bigger yeah. books. The that long people know about most pages, yeah. But like, sure. this is the book that people think about when they think of holy shit, books are long. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I was reading an ebook, so I don't actually know how many pages it really is. How many the pages? Goodreads is it? thing says fourteen hundred pages, about I believe. Oh my god! Yeah, that's felt like it. 
But you know what? It fucking felt like it. <laughs> it also gets listed at 1,400 pages. This felt like a very different 1,400 pages. What? It. The book oh, it. it. Oh, it. No, that wasn't 14. That was like... It's like the paperback well, version. Like, like is maybe like, a thousand. Yeah, but they're like Stephen King pages versus yeah. desolate Russian winter pages. Yeah, no, this was way longer, yeah, both so. in physical mass and in emotional toil on me. I think that's why uh, measuring by pages is not as useful as measuring by probably word. Yeah. Or something like that. This is about a billion words. Yeah, give or take. Uh, I saw they did, a, they did a thing. They celebrated some kind of anniversary of it where they had Russian people reading it in order, like they'd have one person reading a segment and then the next someone else picks up, just live reading it constantly. Like someone on the fucking International Space Station, a Russian cosmonaut, whatever they're called now, I don't know, like read part of it. And it was like a thousand people read it and it took 60 hours. Fuck. I believe it. Yeah. Nate, did you read this or did you listen to the 60 hour audiobook? A little bit of both, actually. Oof. You I read, I know, maybe I was cheating. I read what was about 25%. Of I read it on my iPad. Did you just sleep to the rest of it? No, no, I really listened this, to this it. This would put me to sleep. I really, like, I hadn't found an audiobook of it yet. And then I, when I finally both, like, felt like I understood what was going on, or felt like I might wow, have you understood. Felt, you felt that way 25% because I didn't. <laughs> I felt like I got enough out of it that if I, that I could listen to the audiobook and get the same amount. Yeah. I got enough basis that I could then listen to the audiobook and not be lost. Through pretty not much, be lost less. Through pretty much the first half of it, I had to read the Spark Notes after I'd actually read it, till I just got a summary of what I just read. Yeah, I felt that way too. Because yeah. it was just like there were so so much, so much, so much happening, and simultaneously, so much nothing happening. Yep. I read. So I did read the Spark Notes, but not right at the beginning. I want to. I read about a quarter of it. It was right around the time when I was like, "Okay, I gotta fucking finish this book. How am I gonna do it? Oh, I'm gonna find a fucking audiobook that I'm like, I'm also going to read." The Spark Notes, because, and I had a college professor kind of recommend this when we were reading the Odyssey in my in my uh, Greek history class. It's going to be so complicated. Just in, it's going to be so hard to figure out what's going on. Just read the Spark Notes first, know the plot, or at least have a general so idea of the plot, along. so that you're not just so you read completely the Spark Notes first. Lost. I so I didn't read it at the very beginning. I was like a, about a quarter of the way through, so I was a, easily three to four hundred pages in before I did bother to read the. Spark That's a Notes. full book. That's a full book <laughs> in any yeah. other book, but so and I do recommend that actually. In, I should have read it first. That would have made it. What's funny is different. I was I was like at least kind of excited about what about the part when the eighteen twelve part and, and, and about Napoleon in, in Moscow, and I thought that was going to be cool. Spoiler alert: It was still stupid. it was not. <laughs> it was still <laughs> stupid. But anyway, not now that we've told you our opinions. Let's actually talk about what happens, what happens in the book. But first, let's do round two. Two more beers. So we have next round, uh, Iron Orchid from Fifth Hammer, are definitely our first Fifth Hammer beer. Even and though they're local. Marshall Zukov's penultimate push, Imperial Stout from Cigar City Brewing. One of the biggest disappointments of the book, besides the book sucking so hard, was I was hoping there to be a character named Marshall Zukov throughout the book. I was like, oh, maybe he'll get in now. And we'll really fucking, you know, win this shit yeah. with ourselves. <laughs> There, there, was, there, was there, there was a character named Jerkov. <laughs> yes, there was. There were too many characters. I can't keep track of them. Did you... Uh, my friends went to a trivia night, and one of the questions was, how many characters in War and Peace are there? Like, named characters. If you had to guess, how many are there? A thousand. I mean, I looked it up. It's somewhere around 120. It's 559. No, that's, that's not true. That's because that's like naming every, like, one yeah, scene. Yeah, not or... like spoken everything, but they're, like, named characters... There are, there are certainly more main characters 
less main characters, but yeah. there there are f- over 500 characters in this fucking shitstorm of a book. Jesus. All right, let's try these beers. So Cigar Which one first? City, Which one first? Uh, do the bigger pour. It's Cigar City Brewing, Marshall Zukov's Penultimate Push. It's an imperial stat with vanilla and coffee beans. It smells really good. I say it's like very bitter. Yeah, it That's smells right? it smells amazing and it tastes eh. Yeah, it's kind of a letdown beer for the amount of money it costs. Yeah. I've had this before, and it's like, ooh, that must be really good. Iron Orchid is from uh, Fifth Hammer. It doesn't really tell you anything on here, but it's the tiniest little baby can. Just has 12.5%. Uh, place in Long Island City, but that's really it. These are all so strong. Oh, yeah. Each of these are above 10%. It says drink with enjoy. Drink with enjoy? <sighs> on the bottom, yeah. Okay. I don't love either of these. No, me neither. I actually prefer and the Zukov, or Zhukov, whatever it's called. I kind of prefer the Iron Orchid, but... Let's just say whichever moves on is going to immediately be limited by Jada. <laughs> that <laughs> yes, is I, I think, absolutely true. I think that's true. So let's let's for just argument's say sake. let's just say Marshall Zhukov because we have a lot more okay. of it. Yeah, I don't I don't really like either one very much, but I'll go with the it. the Iron Orchid's very bitter. Marshall Zhukov's very bitter too. Maybe I'm getting confused. Let me check it a little. Marshall Zhukov, I th- I think, and I was very careful about which class I put it in. I get a lot of bitterness out of this orchid, and yeah, it's also bitter, but the Marshall Zhukov is more bitter. You know, now after going from the Orchid back to the Zhukov, the Zhukov, now I still stand by picking the Zhukov to win. The Zhukov has a strong coffee flavor in there. Yeah. yeah once you get past that bitterness. Yeah, it's a, definitely. It smells like a dark syrup. The molasses. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It doesn't taste like that, though. No, it tastes like coffee it's, cock. It's quite bitter. Did you say coffee cock? Yeah. Is it like a coffee, like a dick made of coffee or like a, a dick that shoots coffee? Uh, whatever you want it to be. I don't really want it to be either. It shoots coffee out of its espresso hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, okay, so we're not going to talk about every single thing that happens in War and Peace, because that would be ridiculous, but let's just do a quick, a quick, quick so there are six, a quick who's who. Is it, is it 16 books? 16? 16 books. So the, the book is divided into four sections, and those sections are divided into between three and five books. And those books are divided into multiple chapters. Somewhere between yeah. 13 and 40 chapters. Yeah. I think the longest one is 39 chapters. Is that... Uh, that's, what, that's, that's the like one about Napoleon. Yeah, that one sucked. Oh, yeah. So much. Yeah, it was relentless. It was... It was like Napoleon's march towards <clears throat> Moscow. I can't believe something about war could be that boring. Like, Though I did see that... Wait, hold on. Okay, let's, let's just we'll see we'll what happens. happens. We'll that. We have, because we'll, there's a whole 11 books before that. Okay. Yeah, book okay. one. So, okay, there are... The, the whole plot of the story follows the... Uh, it's it follows like four families. Like okay? aristocratic families. Four aristocratic families. Way up, echelon. There's uh, the, the Bezukovs, which is the old guy, and then he dies right in the beginning, and then it's Pierre who... His bastard son. His bastard son, who he, in the will, names to, to inherit instead. other kids suck so much. Yep. So he's really the only Bezukov in the Yeah, yeah the, the other ones, they go right away right. right at the beginning, and then you don't see the... And then there's the Bolkonskis, uh, of which the most... Uh, the, the second biggest character in the book, besides Pierre, is Andre. Prince Andre Bolkonsky, but he also has a bunch of relations. Also, depending on what version you got. Like for mine, he, oh, was, or he, Andrew. Was, he was Prince Andrew for me. I mean, it's the same shit, but it was... It's, you know, That's right. I, actually, it's all about he was, tra- whatever translation you get. For you me, should... he was Andrew in the audiobook and Andre in the uh, ebook. The Prince Andre sounds a lot cooler. It does. <laughs> Prince R- Andre R&B 3000. Singer. Yeah. We'll, we should talk about the names at some point because that was a very confusing thing. To yeah, there's a thousand for sure. them. Well, the, multi- the variations on their names, I mean. And then there's the Rostov family. 
the Rothschilds were one of the ones I kept forgetting who they were. So they're also counts and countesses. And the most important person in the Rothschild family is Natasha, or at least sort of the biggest character. Is, Poor Sonia. Is Natasha. And then the fourth one, which are sort of like the assholes, are, are the... Kurrigans? Kurrigans. Kurrigan or Kurrigan. I mean, I don't know. Which one is Mary? Is she a Rostov? When I was reading this book, I had to keep a second... Oh, yeah. I had to keep sure. a page open... Of a family tree. Mary of, of is all a Volkonsky. Mary is a Oh, she's, on, she's Andrew's sister. Andrew's sister, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Volkonsky. I had to keep a fucking thing open so I could remember which character was which and like who they were related to and who they eventually married and who they had kids with and who they oh, yeah. who died. Because mm-hmm. there's so many fucking characters. There are also some characters that just kind of disappear. Like they just vanish. Yeah, there's also, there's also yep. a shitload of secondary characters that aren't part of this, you know, aristocratic shit. And they're part of, like, the war scenes. Yeah. Like, the guy who talks like a baby the whole time. He, yeah, I couldn't figure yeah. out what happened. Does he just vanish from the narrative? Well, yeah, Denisov? Yeah, he, he vanishes. I, I was waiting for him to die. Or, no, I he didn't maybe, die. He just... I thought maybe was, I was skimming and I missed that. wasn't part of that. Right. You know, he just, he just talks, he talks like a baby. Well, he, he can't, got, say, well, he can't we'll say Oz. Anyway, and the Kuragans. The Kuragans are all shitty. You're all Kuragans. Kuragans. Kuragans? I don't know. There is the most sort of, like... Okay, it's actually difficult to decide who's the worst one. But anyway, the, the first most important is probably Helen, or Helen, who marries uh, Pierre. Yeah. And she's, like, terrible. She's a shithead. Yep. And Street then, cunt. And the way she's, a, she's kind of a bigger character, except not really, because they're all pretty small. But then there's Prince Anatole. Anus hole. Yeah, pretty right? much. Anus hole. Who is the, you know... Playboy. He, he, he's, yeah, he's exactly. a one-dimensional character who exists only to move the plot along for other important characters. For Natasha, yeah. He's a foil. And, and Prince Andrew. Yeah, for sure. He's an aluminum foil. Anyway, those are the four families. There's <laughs> he's a, so thin of a character. I mean, there's technically a lot of stuff that goes on with each of them. But think of this book a lot the way, like Game of Thrones, in that the perspective shifts from character to character to character, and each kind of has a separate story. And so one of the reasons of why the book is Russians. so one of the reasons why the book is so long is because each has their separate story. So it's got to be chapters about the first person's story and then chapters about the second person's story and so on. And that's what makes it so long. Except it's way slower than a Game of Thrones book. So even though it's four hundred pages, there's also entire chapters about Napoleon's perspective. Oh yeah, for sure. And then he'll randomly jump in and just sort of like give the historian's overview of sort of what's going on, which is something we should definitely talk about later. But anyway, those are like the big characters. The biggest one, a lot of it is really about Pierre and about Pierre is. Andrew. I'd say Pierre is probably the mainest yeah, of the he's characters. About fifty percent of the book. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. the big guy. I mean, he was, I think, the most interesting character in it. Certainly, he's kind of an idiot, the, but yeah. He's and definitely most, an idiot in some ways. The most Freemason character, yeah. Sure. Yeah, which was like a he weird, f- random yeah. thing happening. Well, you know, it's also weird and random. Another round of beers. Might as well. I felt like dying today. Well, you'll feel like it more tomorrow. So this next round pits Hunter from uh, 18th Street, what are they called? 18th Street Brewery from in Hammond, ha- Indiana. Hammond, Indiana, which is a uh, double milk stout brewed with lactose, sugar, and cocoa nibs against Imperial Biscotti Chili Hazelnut Break from Evil Twin, which is an imperial stout brewed with coffee, chili, and hazelnut with vanilla extract. So there's some overlap here. They both got the vanilla, right? No, no, I'm sorry. This doesn't have vanilla. This one has cocoa, cocoa nibs and lactose. There's no overlap. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm <laughs> They're drunk. both imperial stouts. I am very drunk already, it turns out. This there's is only another difficult. 45 beers. Um, the, right. uh, so which I, one are we doing first? Hunter? I don't care. Yeah, I'm doing Hunter. Hunter first. Hunter first. That's pretty nice. It's a, it's a, it's fine. It's, it's nice, but like after a while, it kind of gets a little bitter at the end there. Yeah. 
you can definitely, it's a little bit chocolatey. It's a little bit bitter on the finish, I would say. The Hunter. It lasts forever. The aftertaste just keeps going. No, no, it that's lingers right. on the palate. Let's try that other one. That Evil Twin Imperial Biscotti. There's a lot of words in this title. It so. is a long one. They had to like shrink their fonts down. I mean, like they usually have long titles, but like this is, usually it's because it's gibber sentences. This is like just things that are in it. Yes. Here are the ingredients of this beer. It smells delightful as yeah. shit. It smells pretty bang up. Pretty, 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 pretty good. This will make an interesting second round, I think. Assuming it moves on. I, I, I know where my vote is. Yeah, mine too. This has so much more going on. It's got a lot going on. And it works. Sweeter. A little bit sweeter. I want to say it is. It's it had definitely has the chili in it, but it's not super strong. It's just like a little it's hint a, of spice. Yeah, it's just a, a hint. Bit. But it's, it, it's, it's way thinner than I expected too. It's it's a nice addition. I would say. Is it weird to say I, I taste like a almond kind of flavor coming out of this? Is that crazy? Like I get. I mean, I know you're big into tasting D's nuts. Oh, that could be it. <laughs> I could be tasting D's nuts. <laughs> I take it back. Take it in the back. Well, that's why I vote for it to move forward into this round. I, t- I vote for D's nuts. I'm gonna go with the uh, the chili imperial Scott. As do I. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I taste almond, but almonds don't have a strong flavor either. So it's just mm, maybe it's the vanilla, maybe the, uh, or the hazelnut. Yeah, it could be that too. Maybe it's a nut flavor. I'm just getting confused. It does say uh, hazelnut. Isn't part of the ingredients? Maybe I get a little hazelnut in there. Maybe a little. It's really quite delicious, and this one is one that's available often. Is it? Yeah, I've had this many times. Okay. Where, I mean, just like from regular stores? Yeah, you go to your beer nerd place. Okay. If you go to like a like a beer wholesaler place that has good, like you can get a four pack of this for like 15 bucks sometimes. So it sounds like we voted that one forward. Okay, so the first whole chapter or book of the, of the book. The first whole book is a fucking party. It's just to explain how. Just to establish- introducing the characters. I read that one he, at a time. He, he, it took him like a year to write the first book. And then he wrote the rest of the book over the next three or four years. Which is, you know, 98% of the book. Yeah. But he wanted to like, make sure that it was right. Yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah, he is an asshole. The whole point of the first book is to establish the characters, of course, but also to set up Pierre as the, as the heir to the money of the Bezukovs or whatever. So uh, that's the whole setup is to get, to get the money. And everyone like, conspiring against him. I guess it was the Karak. I don't even remember who was trying to not let him get the money. It was, it was the actual... The actual legitimate heirs, children. And they just it was the legitimate children because he's the illegitimate child. I know he's the bastard. Be liked more. And yeah, they're the like, other oh. didn't want him to get anything. They weren't expecting him to get him, but they were all shitty kids. But he's yeah. like the big fat guy, and they're like, no, not him. And he was all. Also, throughout this whole book, which I think it required more knowledge about Russian history than any of us have, is they're constantly switching between. You know, Russian and French and French. Oh my God, that's there. Hard. There is a reason for that. Yes. that is because, Catherine the Great. Because uh, Catherine the Great mandated that in the Russian court that they speak French. Because so the, in Russian history, starting back with Peter the Great, Peter the Great wanted Russia to be a European country, not an Asian country. That's why they created Saint Petersburg. Right, which was supposed to be modeled after European cities, as opposed to Moscow, which was a very Russian city with their fucking onion domes and yeah. bear hugging and fisting. Saint <laughs> <laughs> Petersburg is more like it's more like general Paris. European, yeah. And they and 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 Peter the Great built the Peterhof, the giant palace, which was modeled on Versailles. I mean, it's not exactly so it's, like it's, Versailles, but is modeled in it's that style, much closer to European style and feel exactly. than Russian everything. 
They wanted you know, to blend and, in. And Russian men were supposed to shave their beards so that they, you know, which was the European style at the time, which would be clean shaven or just Even have, though it was so fucking Or cold. just, you know, Captain Hook mustaches. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not just giant, big, long beards, the way Russian, which was the Russian style. And, and apparently, if a Russian aristocrat came to court with a long beard, he would go, okay, everybody stop. Guard, bring me my razor. Come here. And he would be the one. I am shaving you. Like, get me... Like, and he would do it. It's not surprising. Peter the Great was a giant. Yeah, he was like six foot six, six, six foot eight. He was six foot eight. But he had like a abnormally small head for a man <laughs> was like that Jack was that. Skellington. He was six eight, which is a big motherfucker, with a like a five eight head. <laughs> so he has the body of like a seven foot man with a little baby head on top. Like, oh, I'm going to shave you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, it's like a, as if a baby's controlling a, a robot. It's like man babies. <laughs> oh, we'd miss that. Yeah, so we In had the future. What was that? Uh, when was Peter the Great? Like 16, late 1600s? Uh, mid 1600s. At the same time as Louis XIV. Okay. Mm. All right, that makes sense. And then, um, or is that the old style calendar? <laughs> <laughs> they did that a lot in the book. Yeah, it was oh, that annoying. sucked. That sucks. And it's and it's what twelve days, thirteen days. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's two no weeks. Let's just round up for two weeks. Yeah, like I really give a f- so. All right, here uh, th- to explain what that's about. There was the let's actually let's not. Well, the, the they have this throughout the book. They'll constantly reference these things like oh, and this date, and then little footnote asterisk. You click on on your device because I was reading on the Kindle, and it's like that date was actually this date. I didn't, it's like, have, yeah. I didn't have any of those. That date was a week and a half later. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. That really doesn't make a difference. Like, <laughs> as if I was like, wait, that couldn't have been August 11th, 1805. <laughs> no, that was, was a Thursday. It's, it's really <laughs> only two weeks. And that was it. That's the, what the whole fuss was about. Yeah, it was really dumb. But the French shit oh, was mad annoying. Actually, I think the year is different. It's not just two weeks. It's a year and two weeks. But no, I might be wrong about that. I anyway, think it, might, it might have to do with when around the end of the year it can make a difference because yeah, you could be in a different can. year. Mm-hmm. But so uh, anyway, French shit though. That's what, we, what got to start. French on shit, where like the people would like. I don't know what got version you guys had. I got like my version from like the Gutenberg project. So it was. I don't know. It's a public domain one. I had a a, a, a new translation by Oxford or something. Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you which ones I have. But which it was have? they would like my, speak in French. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, and then they would be like, this definitely this. in the book. Like, what the fuck? Well, you guys actually took French, so maybe you understood some of it. Some I of it they did not it. translate. They didn't translate at all. They Occasionally, just, they didn't. Translate. Well, because it was like one or two word phrases. I'm like, all right, I can guess what Roy is. I king. read all right. a new translation by Anthony Briggs. Is what I read. I have I no, no idea, idea which fucking version I got. Yeah, I don't know enough about him. But there were there were times when like, and then she sat down and wrote a letter, and then there's. Three pages of French, non, no paragraph break, and then a footnote to lead you to the English translation of that French. I never had that. That's my mind had. It was really frustrating. I had like maybe a sentence or two at a time, and then a footnote that was a footnote to the middle of the page. Uh, my, <laughs> mine was mad French because apparently Tolstoy wrote all, all that shit in French. I, I'm, I'm sure he was brilliant and he spoke French as well as he spoke Russian. And yeah. There's even and there German was, there, phrases. There's German in there too, yeah. Yeah, there's also. Even though the Germans were the pussies of, totally. of the war. The shitty mm-hmm. Prussians. Or the the Aust- shit, Austrians. The Austrians were, were terrible, but the Germans were like... The uh, Prussians. They were, they, they were real garbage. But they, in my edition... They, they were the, the Italians of this novel. I thought it was funny because they were like, the brave Poles and the shitty Germans. Like, yeah, oh, you give Polish, it some time. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the Polish were really... The, they were the, ba- the and brave. The, oh, the, uh, the, the, the Ukrainians were like the cock of the walk the whole book. The Cossacks? The Cossack of the walk. Mm-hmm. They were like the Cossacks of the walk. Yeah, it was Horsing around. Oh, 
<laughs> All right, yeah. we're not we're in, in book one still. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, okay. We're, we're kind of bouncing around. But you know where we're also in round four. Yeah, we need to do round four. Holy dick in the mouth. Okay. This is going to be oatmeal raisin cookie and mouthful of gold teeth. Okay. So this is mouthful of gold teeth by Interbrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you would say it. <laughs> if you have that many gold teeth, yeah. Yeah, full of them, yeah. And this, uh, I'm looking forward to this, is Oatmeal Raisin Cookie from Decadent Ales. It's an imperial stout brewed with chocolate malt, oats, raisins, and nutmeg. I will be Versus, honest, I don't like the actual cookie of this. But, it, it, I mean, all right, fine. But Mouthful of Gold Teeth is a imperial stout with chocolate cherry and graham crackers from Interbro, partnered with Transmitter, two Queens, or at least New York City breweries. Uh, yeah, they're both Queens. Well, there's some pretty, pretty, pretty strong beers. Which one do you first? This is mouthful of gold teeth. Yes, that is delicious. I like the cherry little sweetness in there. This anyway, is pretty. This is pretty mouthful good. Mouthful of gold teeth. Yeah, they're definitely uh, definitely nice. Doesn't taste at all like cold. All right, oatmeal raisin cookie. I'm not a huge fan of oatmeal. I mean, I actually kind of enjoy oatmeal raisin cookies. They're not my favorite cookie in the world, but they're pretty damn good. This, this is, is much better. This is the liquid version of that. This is really good. This is way better than the cookie. Nate is the admitted fan of oatmeal raisin cookies. And if you, because I'm a monster, but you could hear <laughs> him. You're an old he bitch. says the exact same thing. He's uh, consistent on our House of the Coconuts Balls episode. That's where we had the other oatmeal raisin cookie beer. And Nate was like, "I like these," and we were like, "No one likes those." It's a. It's a, actually this. This beer is really good. This is fucking phenomenal. It's really good. I want to say, I'm not actually tasting. Like straight up oatmeal raisin cookie, like I was in that other other beer from Hall- last Halloween. But um, it's like I taste. I'm tasting like cinnamon. Yeah, I yeah. Can there's see that. like I'm tasting that could be spices. The nutmeg. Maybe it's the nutmeg instead. But I'm definitely tasting spices. Yeah, nutmeg. nutmeg and and it's in a sweet too. You know what? I it's different. I mean, I probably like this because it doesn't taste like oatmeal raisin cookies. I vote for the raisin cookie, guys. What about yeah, you? I think yeah. I want to vote for that too. Halfway done with round one. Though the other rounds are shorter. So this book is like 70% Russian Pride and Prejudice, 30% Historical Fiction Wars. I believe it's Pravda and Prejudice. <laughs> no, it's a good job. Pravda truth. means truth, yeah. Yeah, but it's like a close word that people know. Come on, that's... Yeah. Oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you guys. So, okay, another really big part of the book is Napoleon, because this book takes place, well, starts in 1805, when Napoleon has only just declared himself emperor, and then Douche. it fights several wars with Russia, and so this starts in 1805, and then goes through another war with Battle of Austerlitz, and then goes through the War of 1812. Okay, not the American War of 1812, because that's one that nobody knows a fucking goddamn thing yeah. about that war. <laughs> the war was dumb. Anyway, it's the Russian, the, the French invasion of Russia in 1812, and so, and really. The War of 1812 was the the reason why he wrote this book, because he wanted to get to tell that story, but he just, you know, decided to start years earlier with everything. (laughs) He went full full George Lucas. He's like, let me give the backstory of this. Right. And uh, include a bunch of shit no one cares about. And That's then he for sure. Cut out the pod race. It was really, really bad. Pod race was the best part. I know, I know. If there was a pod race in this book, it would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> it would have moved a little fucking faster. Yeah, for sure. And then there's like big sections of this book that were just big battle scenes. Although, really, kind of the biggest one. Okay, the second biggest one is right in the beginning. It's right in chapter, or not chapter section book two. two yeah. yeah, book two is like is huge. It's most of book two battle scene. Yeah, it's like yeah. pretty much all book two. And then there's only a little bit in the middle with the Battle of Austerlitz, which you would think would be bigger. But 
it's because the Russians lost, so he didn't make that emphasize they lose that as much. Kind of every they lose everything until the end, but um, yeah. they still lost essentially. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was the whole argument. So they pretend it was a win, and that's good enough. Well, it's hard to say that Napoleon won that. So by default, Both sides that kind of means Russia had to have won. They just had more. Anyway, people. We'll, we'll get to that at the end. So and then there's uh, and then the war when Napoleon reinvades Russia in 1812, and that's like the really big one. And there's a lot about that. It's a big part of the book. And when they do that, they uh, have two more beers. Oh, that's right. Um, you know, I'm looking at our bracket. I should have spaced these out better because these are two that. I, well, actually, well, let's see what happens. So we are having two other beers. This is another our second Finback beer of the night. This is another one of their snacky and dessert imperial stouts called Wretched, which also describes the reading experience of this book. <laughs> it was. It was a relentless onslaught. I, I forget what's in it. I think it's maple syrup and coffee or something. Imperial style with pecan, pecans, maple, and coffee. Right. It doesn't say maple syrup. It says maple. I'm going to assume it's not the wood. It could wood. be just wood. <laughs> that would be wretched. And the second one here I'm looking forward to, this is Evil Twin NYC. Not to be confused with the other one. This is even more candy bars. Imperial style with Butterfingers added. Might be the strongest one we're going to have. It's 14% alcohol. Oh, my God. Wretched first, yeah. Wretched, wretched first. first. I get the coffee. I don't really. I, the nut flavor is much subtler. That's really good. It's, it's actually it's good. Yeah, really good. Now I know. I, it's mean, not, I get like a vague coffee, but not really. Yeah, it's not overwhelming. It mixes in with other stuff because if it would just taste <laughs> like coffee, I would hate it. But it's it's nice. Whatever this mix of things, it worked out okay. Now I know this is not what we're doing just yet, at least. But how does this compare for you versus the Yada, the other Finback beer? Yada's still better. Yada, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that. Though I would have to retaste it. Oh, we will. So this one is even more candy bars, edition one. Yeah. So there have been three editions as of recording day, and uh, first one was with Butterfingers, second one was with Heath bars, and the third one is a new edition. Uh, fuck, man. <laughs> with M and M's. Uh, this is the this is the Butterfinger one. That tastes like a Butterfinger shit into my mouth. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. This is less the, peanut buttery than I would have thought. This is the hardest is, one but, so far for me. Butterfinger is it peanut butter? It's not peanut butter, is it? It's like that weird crunchy, oh, I mean, it's crusty fake, it's shit. It's like fake yeah. candy peanut butter, but is it? Yeah, I just never really thought about what it actually was. It's like a bordered peanut butter. It's like not really peanut butter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Freeze dried space age peanut butter, like astronaut peanut butter. It's 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 like peanut like no peanut on the planet Earth looks makes a product that looks like that, but it's it's the illusion of peanut butter. This is the hardest uh, for me, actually, I have to say. I'm going to go with the candy bars. I'm leaning it's towards close. that, too, actually. It's close, but I'm going to I go actually think wretched. Ooh, this is he. I was hoping to not have to make a decision. Well, Thunderdome. All right. Two men go in. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Two men go in. What? <laughs> Each other. A third man? <laughs> no, two men enter, one man leaves or something like that. Is no, that he Thunder? doesn't leave. He comes. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't go. <laughs> Uh, so I've had a lot of both of these. You're the deciding vote, Michael. Oh man, pressure. I gotta go with the candy bars. Ooh. And I I'll, mean, it was also good. It was. It was. I think partially it's because I'm in my head. I can't help but compare the Finback beer to their other stuff that we know they've make mm-hmm. made, and this just is not as strong. And this candy bar thing is just is unique, and that that it is wins for points sure. for me. I know. Right. There's in, no criteria in a, for picking. In a realm of 16 stats competing against one another, you got to stand out. Yeah. You can't just be mm-hmm. good. you got to be the very best, 
like no one ever watches. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Book the second uh, is a giant battle scene. Well, we're scene. not really going too and then, linearly. Yeah, it's true. So then there's a lot of... There's uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. <laughs> like the Kevin Klein movie. We did read the book. Really I spent... You know what this book felt like to me? I don't know. What this book like? felt like... Back before I got into reading, like I didn't really... I, I took a long break from just reading in general. Like fucking five or ten years. I don't even know. When I was... In high school, reading books, like I had to. And I read like A Tale of Two Cities and shit. Where books just felt long. And I didn't know what was going on. It was interminable. And it was just a slog to get through it. That's what this fucking book felt like. Like, I like reading now. I do it all the time. But this book made me feel like a fucking moron again. Just like, oh God, I can't wait for this to be over. It's going to last forever. This will take me a month, and it fucking did take me a month. It, it I didn't read it every day because I couldn't because I'd fucking kill myself. It was a slog and interminable and terrible. Yeah, it was. It just it's it, not it, your imagination. It, it took away my joy of reading. I actually have done a lot less reading since I started this book because it just <laughs> fucking weighs you down. Yeah, I I did less reading. Because I felt guilty reading anything but this, because like I really need to finish this book. Yeah, and then if mm-hmm. I read anything else, I didn't read it. I read just this. I didn't read anything else. I uh, just stuck to it. Good for you. I mean, well, I mean, I took like days off at a time because I just didn't want to fucking do it. And then I'd fucking, I know, I skimmed a good amount of this book. Not like just didn't read anything, but occasionally like, oh, they're at another fucking party. Oh, Jesus Christ, these people don't matter. Blah blah blah. Oh, they're in a battle. I did some speed reading for sure. And the yeah, it's just it's just. All right, let's, I mean, let's talk more about what's happening in the book before sure. we end. Before, we, we, before we do too much more judgment. So we're still, okay, so there's, book one is introducing the characters. Book two is the Introducing, uh, battle, introducing like, the war in maybe a quarter of the characters. Right, yeah, 1805, <laughs> which Russia loses. And then book three is half battle. Is The first half is actually about Pierre and, and his marriage to Helen. And then the second half is... The dirty, vapid bitch. Yeah. So if you hope. For sure, but it's like, but he, but he didn't think he was going to inherit all this money, and he doesn't really know. He was like in the first book, he was like a shitty douchebag that no one liked. Yeah, and then he becomes rich as shit, like the richest guy and the most eligible bachelor. Yeah, for sure. Russia, and suddenly nobody's doing stuff on his penis, and everyone is like, and then this person who's like a socialite, and her name is Aunt Somebody. No, Anna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The match. She's like the she's like the queen of parties. Yeah, definitely. She's like, oh, oh yeah, this yeah. woman, Helen, isn't she just the most beautiful and most connected? Yeah, for sure. Like, oh, she has a blouse that's cut low, and you can see her bosoms. There's like a whole lot about that. Yeah, there was a lot. She was a hot chick. How you could see and, she was, almost and, and all connected. of her arms. Yeah. And yeah, the argument right. is like, and because she's also from this other important family, like if you married, you would be, you know, the top yeah. most connected family. All Don't of you think is, that's a good idea? It's, it's very much like political marriages. And he decides Bullshit. pretty much right away, like, yes, even though in the back of his mind, he already is like, no, that's a bad idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, man, she sucks, but she's really hot. Yeah. But I'm rich now, so I'm going to do it. Yep. That's, that's what yeah, happens. That's really, that's really what he says. He regrets it instantly, but dem titties. And then she's terrible. Like, that the really was time. it. It was like, she leaned over him. He decided, yep, okay, I would do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all like that was it. fall that was in scene. love immediately. I could throw my seat on those. Like later in the book, like Natasha does this because she's a little kid. She's yeah. like 15 or 16. But all these grown ass men do the same fucking thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, I am in love. I've known her for two weeks. I have seen her twice. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are to be married now. We are to unite our families. Yeah, I, I guess sure. I mean, it is very Pride and prejudice You know, there's no and also, romantic love. Also, my favorite part was there's a shitty, ugly Mary that no one wants to get with in this book also. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. There's Mary Rostov, Prince Andrew's sister. She's like the religious, ugly one. So she has lines unlike Mary and Pride and Prejudice. But she's like a big character throughout, but no one wants to get with her. No. She's an uggo. For sure. Another um, Mary that no one wants to marry. When all of the women are introduced, it's really like the first thing that's said about them is how pretty they are. That's like the thing that's said about them, and that's how they're judged. And, and, and in the first scene, yeah. when you're meeting everybody, it's like 18 of them. And so you can't, it's hard to get Yeah, and right? they're all fucking the same name. And they're all, yeah. They're all, oh, Russian name. Yeah, mm-hmm, okay. So and everybody's got two names. So you got to remember everybody's two names. No, they have five fucking names. Yeah, because you have a first name, and then you have like a patronymic name, and then you have a last name with a title. So you, you could be a, like Countess this, yeah. you know, Prince that, or you could be, you know, Andre, or you could be... They like call them princess un, un, and prince sometimes, but also count. Yeah, and then you have a, a shortening of the names. So there's like diminutives. Diminutives. Thank you. That's the word. And it's like you know Maria, Mary, Masha. That's the same fucking person. They didn't do any diminutives in the version I had. Uh, mine was fucking so that all over because you know mine. in Russian you never call someone by their actual name. Oh yeah, it's it's all like, like a if familiarity you, if you know thing. someone. You wouldn't like. I would never call you in mate. a familiar way. You yeah. would never call them Ever. by their by their title. And, and they don't have Mister and Miss. You say their first name and their patronymic. So you have to say both names all the time. It's it's a dumb fucking system. I mean, lots of other cultures have similar things, but it's just, yeah, but it's just not so, ours. <laughs> speaking of dumb, Prince Andrew, also known as Prince Andre, Prince Andrew. He's the one who he has a wife who's heavily pregnant, but he really doesn't like her, and he's like, I'm <laughs> going into the army instead. And so he's like, it's most of the, the war in 1805 is from his perspective when he's, he's the aide to General... He's the aide-de-camp. They said that Kutuzov, word about 4,000 times. Aide-de-camp, yeah. aide-de-camp. Kutuzov, who is like the commander-in-chief of the Russian army, Russian military, but he's like old and kind of dumb. He, and then but he loses. was like the fucking shit general, like the yeah. king shit general, Kutuzov. For sure. Everyone's like, he is the best general. Except Even though he, he sucks. Still, <laughs> except he's still lost everything. Anyway. Uh, he sucks hard, but he's the best. And then he, a lot of it's from, so it's Prince Andrew's perspective as, as the aide, and he just leaves his wife just to blow blah. And then he goes back, and then they lose that war. He goes back home. His wife has a baby and dies in childbirth. And they just, so then he's like, well, and I just couldn't help but think, oh, how convenient that he didn't like his wife, and she just happened to die. I'm like, oh, I mean, good for him. all the time. It did, but... <laughs> Okay, also, with Russian people die all the time anyway. Also true. <laughs> she was advanced age, 23. <laughs> kind of. Very long life. Uh, get new wife. Anyway, and then when the second war happens in 1807. It's, it's right after it's seven, Which, I mean. It doesn't matter Yeah, the next all. thing, which is uh, they fight another war. And this time they're allied with Prussia or Austria or whatever. And then the, well, the, every, yeah. it's the whole battle of Austerlitz scene. The first time they're on Prussia's side. Yeah. And Prussia gets its shit kicked in by Napoleon. And, and humiliates the, the, uh, the king or emperor. The second of time they're allied with France. No, first time they were allied with Austria. Second time they're allied with Prussia. Oh, yeah, same crowd. Because he goes to time, Vienna. Because he goes to Vienna okay, in the first chapter. Which scene is it where they don't even let? If it's Austria or Prussia, I can't remember now. They don't even let their emperor come into the meeting. 
and it's the czar and Napoleon and the other emperor or king has oh. to sit outside. Oh, uh, uh, oh yes, this is, but this is in the beginning of the War of 1812, the 1812. Oh, that's later? Yeah. Okay, fine. That is I'm definitely later, and I remember that part. It's like, oh, and by the way, the, he called that part wrong. He didn't even let him in. But anyway. Uh, in, the, in the second one, they're allowed with France. Aren't they? No, they're Don't still they fighting against Napoleon. Okay. But everybody's because on Napoleon's dick. Everyone's like, Napoleon's so great. Everyone loves him. Like until, they, they keep talking about how great he Prince is. Until Prince Andrew actually meets him. So Napoleon yeah, pretty prick. much won every battle. Or won every war. But won basically every single battle up until he decided to invade Russia, which is the end of the book. So... He basically won everything, and so, but yeah, people talk about Napoleon all the time in the book. Now, I don't, I'm no military historian. What was so fucking great about Napoleon? I mean, he, he was really just did a do pretty well, but like, just why, how, ama- I don't understand. Amazing at strategy and tactics, and it's he like, knew how to win battles. But this is the time of horses, bullets that had like eight percent accuracy and cannons. Yeah. So, I mean, attacks would have been different, it's but he getting your soldiers into the right place. Well, mm. also, military tactics are, I mean, they're very complicated, and if I was to boil them, oversimplify them, military tactics are like a game of t- uh, no, uh, pa- rock, paper, scissors, where you've got, you know, uh, scissors that beat paper, but you've got, but you got paper that beats rock, and then stuff like So you've got different interlocking things where one thing is really good against something else, but really weak against the other thing. Sure, like, and, and okay. Except it's a million times you more to, complicated You have to manage a lot of moving pieces. And there's infantry, and then there's cavalry, and then there's, like, light cavalry and heavy cavalry, and then you use them, and you use this one thing in this one situation because that's effective, and but the enemy is going to counter it with their other thing in this situation, and then there's, like, cannons that can kind of do this thing. And, and so it's a really complicated version of that. Plus the terrain. You're trying to get your troops around the side. You're trying to flank around them because then it's what you're sort of like moving up the line. You're rolling up the line of the sold of, of the soldiers because they're facing the wrong direction and they can't all fire at you at the same time. It's only one guy that can fire at you and you can take them out at the and same time. And you have time. to do this all without cell phones. Yeah. And yeah, oh no, I the communication <laughs> between different things is like so difficult and as the commander, you have so little understanding of what is really going on, unless you can physically see, like you're at the high point and you have like you know a telescope and can kind of see things. But then getting a message to your troops 20 miles away, oh, you need to go attack now. Well, that is going to take forever. So it is very complicated. And smokeless gunpowder hadn't been invented yet. So like as soon as people started firing, it was like you couldn't see anything. It was just a giant cloud of smoke. So it was very very difficult. But, but he Napoleon was good. I'm sure he was also very lucky in a lot of yeah, situations. Yeah, I feel like but luck is a bigger part of this. Exactly, else. but he would also push his soldiers so hard, doing like a 200 mile march in like four days to get around the back of the other army to like take. That's how he took over Italy in some battle where he did something like that, and he just was good at knowing exactly what to do. And he was also probably pretty lucky because that luck is also a, a big factor in such a chaotic situation. But he pulled it off. He was definitely better basically than average. all the time until. Russia until the 1812 invasion of Russia. Hmm. All right, fine. I mean, a he big part of this book was when it came out, like they didn't know how to categorize it. They're like, is this a novel? Is this historical fiction? Is, is it what the none fuck? of those? Is, is it a poem? Is it, is yeah, it like wait, philosophy? We'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Like, anyway, a lot of the like the the, the, the Pride and Prejudice chapters are fiction, but they're yeah. interspersed with the actual battles that he did that Napoleon for. fought. And I think Tolst- uh, Tolstoy actually did fight not in those wars, but he was he was a soldier. 
So we understood how no, he was. He was a soldier in the Crimean War in 1850. Okay. Whatever it is. So he like. Oh, and England smacked him around. Uh, yeah, basically. But and he the, like he and knew the light brigade got fucked. Anyway, so he knew how the tactics worked, so he could write it out quite well. And they say like military people have read it. It's like this is a probably one of the more accurate representations of how fights actually went down. I believe that, but it is so boring. Oh to yeah, read no, about. it's still boring because because most of it's like. And then we were walking around, and then that guy got hit by a cannonball. And he was dead. Got turned into meatloaf. <laughs> well, they don't even go into the detail. Like that guy was turned <laughs> to a puddle of blood. That gets skipped. None of that happens. She hates me. Puddle of blood. Yeah. <laughs> so next round of beers to has that, to happen. Yeah, definitely. We need a lot more rounds of beers. Uh, so this is another evil twin beer, but this is not evil twin NYC. This is just regular evil twin. It's called Some People Are Immune to Good Banana Stout. It's an imperial stout with bananas and maple syrup added. Definitely tastes the nanners. Maple syrup totally missing for me. Always, as always, though. I feel like we had this before. We had it in the future. It's not as banana y as I remember. It could be the. You know what? There's a little bit now. of banana. You know what? There could be. Or at least my palate is. And the other beer is Fudge by Doges. Doges? Doges? Doges Hauser from Sweden. And this is a 12% uh, Imperial Stout with vanilla and chocolate. Chocolate. That is they're, very nice. They're close. Very chocolatey. But I'm going to lean towards fudge. Me too. Fudge. I'm fudge. Yeah. I'm, I'm on team fudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Yep. Fudge. Fudge is, what fudge is the way to go. Oh, yep. my God. There's so many more beers. There's not, actually, there's not that many. No, not, then I'll be quick because some of these are going to be yep. real easy decisions. So we, what were we saying right before we had the beers? About how fucking good. <laughs> we have a spittoon we've been pouring out samples into because we want to live. Bother. And... Uh, We've created a super stout. I'm going to smell it. I'm going to smell it. But it, probably it, just, it probably doesn't smell that bad. It probably doesn't smell that good either. There are too many different things happening there at this point. I think, it's, I think they'll kind of average out. It smells great. It smells, that's, it smells great. It smells better than a lot of the beers. Like a, the Should we have is, the wild card round? <laughs> you know what? It's all the coconut from the, from the yada. That was like down here, man. Yeah, but, there was, but it was a lot. That's the biggest oh, that's thing. that's true. Yeah. I downed my yada. But there's like 15 other beers in there. I just wouldn't survive if I did that, so I had to. All right. That's a whole yada beer. So anyway, There's about the battle scenes. Initial rounds. Oh, my God. Don't forget that when this book was published in 1867, something like that. Somewhere around there, yeah. Television hadn't been invented. Movies hadn't been invented. So you couldn't just like go to a movie and see a big battle scene. And so this, so the, having it depicted in a book... For someone who's never been to for who had never been to war and wanted to experience Russia's greatest victories, this was pretty much the only way to do it. Also, even though they lost every battle, <laughs> well, not the end, but uh, we'll get to there anyway. Also, this is still the time period when war is thought of as glorious. When I, like yes. when when going to war was like how you were going to prove you were a man. You know, and how honor you're going to win glory and honor. And even though people understood, not only that people die, but that, you know, most people die of dysentery and, and pretty awful things and people get just blown to pieces, it was still seen as glorious and honorable. And so the book does definitely leaves out the more horrible things. Like, it's not like All Quiet in the Western Front. There's a pretty good amount of, like, a lot of Prince Andrew discovering how terrible war is. Yeah, more sure. than books written back then on average. It's not full Western. It's true, fun, but it's, it's true. like, oh my god, this sucks. It does, but there's a lot about the futility of war 
and the, you know, just like, and they killed each other. Thousands on both sides died. And for what? Who cares? Chapter 31. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Book but, two. But they don't really show a lot of that. A lot of it's kind of focused on the small scale. Yeah. This yeah. Ha- or one on which character. On or which, char- which regiment turned left at the fork and, you know, was in the right place to win the thing. Yeah, it's really, it's, you don't see the big picture. It's not like the big panoramic view of the battle. It's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of interspersing of, like, Tolstoy's feelings on the matter throughout the book. Of course. Yeah, you, you definitely, definitely. But long More so before than you get to like, the epilogue. You almost know. Yeah. essaying about, like, oh, this is all bullshit. Yeah, you, you yeah. If you if you've been paying attention to the book even halfway, which is about as much as I could hope to have done, you know what he's going to say at the end of the book when he gets to his pontificating phase. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been there the whole time in these battle scenes. He does not shy away. The All other right. scenes are useless and mean nothing. Yeah. Let's talk about just a little bit about what happens in the middle of the book, being the sort of the that weird left turn. So 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 okay, Battle of Austerlitz, the beginning. All of everybody on the Russian side thinks, oh, we're definitely going to win. Oh, yeah, we got this. Napoleon is going down, and then they get crushed. And then Prince Andrew, he gets badly wounded, and everybody thinks he's dead. Or at least back home. His wife back home thinks he's dead. Um, no. A new yeah, wife. A new wife. No, wait, no, no he, doesn't he doesn't have, have a new wife, wife yet. Oh, no. Um, he's looking for one, he, but he doesn't he, have one. But sorry. everyone thinks he's dead. Back home. Anyway, and Napoleon himself, who is a character, definitely oh, yeah, walks yeah. by... Uh, walks by Prince Andrew when he's on the lot, on the ground dying, but doesn't die anyway. Saying, "Oh, what a got a boo boo." Yeah. No, he thinks he's dead because yeah, Prince yeah, Andrew's he holding he's the he's holding the standard or the flag. He's like, and he's like, "That's a good death." That's yes. what Napoleon says. That's a hero. That's a good I way to it was die. Someone else grabbed it. No, he, he uh, no Prince Andrew grabbed or something. Grabbed, grabbed this. Grabbed the thought, flag, yeah. and then he's a like, good. And then like Prince Andrew's like, "I'm not dead," and he's like, "Oh, I'm not dead like, yet." Mon- like Monty yeah, Python, exactly. He's like, "I'm not dead yet." I feel fine. <laughs> then they t- he's like, all right, take care of that guy. Give him a medal of some sort because he's a hero. Yeah. Yeah, because even on the other side, like, oh, we just kill people. But, like, that guy is real nice. And, you know, all this, we killed thousands of them. But who cares? It's Tuesday now. Whatever. And that guy's got balls the size of coconuts. Yep. And uh, one of the main train stations in Paris is named Austerlitz because after Napoleon's big battle. Anyway. Um, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Not really that important, but anyway, okay. So it's the middle of the book, the rest of this book, a lot of so okay. You can still let's, go to that. Let's yeah. just yeah, exactly. Let's go. Let so Pierre. The middle of the book. This is when Pierre actually becomes a real character again, he's for the most part. And so a couple of important things happen to him. First, so he this is like after he's married to Helen for a couple of years, like a year or two, and he's already decided. Oh, she's the worst. She's awful. And he thinks that she's fucking around. Yeah, for sure. But she's holding all these parties that, like, you know, in salons, like in the French style, of just, you know, where they talk about philosophy and, and about every, all the and books. Like, it's and, all about how everyone thinks she's, like, so incredibly smart. She's and she's bold, so but she's popular. dumb as shit. Yeah. And the narrator, the narrator is like, she got by saying nothing at all of importance. And by doing that, everyone thought she was so interesting and way smarter than everyone else. But that's her turning it up to 11. Yeah. yeah. She's a vapid dummy. And uh, after just a little while, uh, uh, Pierre starts to believe that she's having an affair with, with the, somebody. Who was it? Who some some fucking with? guy. Just, just some dude, I don't right? Remember who. And challenges him to a duel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that a, a Karagan guy? No. No, but she's a Karagan. She's not a, she's not a Yeah, she's a Karagan. 
I do not remember who she was having the affair Some with. Fucking yeah, there's too many goddamn. Ch- I, it I happened really fast though. Yeah. Was it, I was it, it wasn't I was Denisov. Like, or, it was Denisov's friend, wasn't it? Oh, Denisov's, Denisov's the, the baby ba- talker. The baby talker. He was the baby talker. Yeah, I was it his friend. I don't remember it. It's some name. Anyway, uh, challenges him to a duel, and then duels him. Duels him. Yeah. And but he just shoots he, the dude, and he wins. Or he loses. Yeah, he, he wins. wins. He, yeah, he, he wins. wins. He doesn't kill the guy, but he shoots him. Uh, and the other guy, the guy doesn't, doesn't. He wounds the guy all. and he fucking leaves town. Yeah, he's like, ooh, I really got out of hand. I gotta get the fuck out of here. My wife sucks. So I, he, my wife sucks. I know the solution. Why don't I become a Freemason? He goes. He goes into like this weird like <laughs> crisis of faith and conscience and ends up in the countryside and meets a guy who teaches him about Freemasonry. And then he takes a weird turn and he goes a whole bunch of chapters about being a Freemason and mysticism and the nature of man and shit like that. Because you know why not? That's what this book needed. Another weird turn. You know what it also needs? Way more beer. Oh, does it ever. And this is... the fuck is this called? <laughs> this is called Ten Years of Hugs. This is a truly impressive can. It's got almost like Care Bears on the can. It's like, Except a, it's like Care Bears on acid. It's trippy as balls. Yeah. By, this is by Half Acre. An imperial stout brewed with coffee. That's all it says. And this is facing off against... Prodigal. Prodigal by Perennial Artisan Ales, an 11.5% alcohol imperial stout um, that is uh, adorned with cacao nibs and Madagascar vanilla beans. So what are we doing first? Hugs? Let's do the... Let's do the sure, hugs. Hugs first. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. A little bit of coffee. A little yeah, bit bitter. Is very subtle. Yeah, it's coffee, coffee is subtle. A little bit bitter, either from the hops or the coffee. I don't know. Right. The, the, the prodigal. And now the prodigal. This is a tough call for me because they're both kind of underwhelming. I think the prodigal's better. I'd, uh, vote, I'd vote prodigal myself. I was also leaning prodigal. Yeah. But um, it's not like... Uh, I'm sorry. It's like they're, both, not, they're both fine. It's like you're the D3 team that somehow got into the thing. All of Mighty a sudden, Ducks like, 3? Yes. You know, like the team that was not going to make it and then like they somehow hail married in. You're like, you know you're not going to win this whole game. All right. Back <laughs> to the shitty book. So the guy becomes a Freemason. He's like, oh, Freemason. This is like book six. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, where are we going with <laughs> this? a lot. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. At this point, when I got into the book, I was like, all right, I guess this is where it's going. Maybe it's like a thing like about philosophy, about... Maybe for like two books, and then it's but over. But it's done. It's yeah. over. It's done. I mean, they, they like hearken back to it occasionally, but not so much. No. It's, it's, well, it's he, he makes changes to his state. He makes uh, changes state. to it. He tries to be like... That was one of the funniest parts, what he... Tries he, to like, he tries to be like better and like set the serfs free, because it's still feudalism there and shit. And he's got estates everywhere. And he's like, "Hey, make it better for them. Set the free send doctors." And like, he, but he just—he's too fucking stupid. He's like a rich dumbass. He doesn't know how to do anything. So he just tells the guy who actually runs everything and says, "Like, do this for me. Make it things better." And the guy's the like, Stewart. "Yeah, sure." And instead, he just you know embezzles all the money, and nothing is better for anybody. Or they make it look, or they do that, but it actually makes everything worse. Yes, in the events that actually things do change, it gets fucked up because. He doesn't know. He doesn't have any practical skills. But also, he hasn't really thought any of these steps through. He's just like, let's give these peasants who've had generations and generations of this poverty as close to the aristocratic lifestyle that I have. And then they're like, I don't know what to do with that. And they just fucking don't. It's not like he's like, well, then they'll go learn how to read. And then they'll go. They don't give a fuck about that, dude. So the other big thing that kind of happens in the middle of the book is about Natasha by 18... 
10 or 18, 11. The mid book. Yeah, the mid book. She's no longer, you know, a 13 year old. Now she's. She's an adult 16 year old. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so nice. she, because, so at that age, so she, you know, has her, whatever it's called when, you sweet know. 16, a quinceanera. Uh, yeah. A period? Oh, sorry. Basically, the sweet 16, when it's like, oh, I'm. A, it's like a cotillion. This is my. Debutante's ball. So she has her debut and becomes, you know, she's just the most beautiful and the most popular. And, uh, and so immediately, Prince Andrew decides he wants to marry her. Because his wife is dead. Dead, yeah. And he's like, she sucked, and that's a. Uh, I'm gonna marry this child. Yeah, she's hot. Pretty and much, she's probably pretty nice. Whatever. And then they meet twice, and, and they she both agrees fall in love. Yeah, and she agrees to marry him, but they have to delay it for a year because Prince Andrew's father, who's like pretty old and shitty, but he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, like, dude, says, she's a kid. No. Says she's and they're so not rich. Enough. They're poor. Yeah. yeah, they're not rich enough. So. I can't really be for this, so you got to just put it off for a year. So they have to just delay. You got to like be sure. Yeah, something like that. Because he's like, uh, I know she's a hot young thing, but like you can't just rush into marrying this dumb bitch. So like, do if you want to do it in a year, sure. Hopefully, I'll be dead by then. I don't care. Definitely don't want any Russian. <laughs> don't want to rush into that. So meanwhile, <laughs> during that year, they're in. Are they in Saint Petersburg or Moscow? Saint Petersburg. Anyway, she's literally like Prince Andrew is not there, and she's going out to all of the greatest parties. Like she goes out to the opera. She, yeah, she goes out. She goes out on the town. She's socializing. She sees Helene. She Helene, says. She says, is. "Yeah, Helene, who is just like has like the lowest uh, cut dress bitch. in the universe. Her nipples are in the next row. Also, <laughs> exactly. And uh, what does that even mean they're out there, <laughs> and you know just." Uh, and she's like the most popular one, but and then Natasha's brother is also there. Natasha's brother named Anatole. No, no, no Helen's brother. 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 That's what I mean. Helen's brother like Anatole. Peter. Piotr. 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 That's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, and and Helen's brother Anatole was there, and he's like, he's also a hot thing. He's yeah. a hot looking cock meat sandwich. He's like, who's that's that? Totally. Anatole. That's anus hole. <laughs> he's a fucking douche and because she's a 16 year old girl she's like I love him after like w- dancing together once well they yeah. twerked to one <laughs> e- echo say or whatever fucking waltz or dance they echo I believe was, it was get low ah uh, yes he's like ah oh, the sweat has dripped down these balls <laughs> <laughs> these bitches crawl alright I'll marry you and that's basically what happens and though. And they're about to run away together. But you find out what's actually happening. It's, he's like a total scumbag. Yep. He's looking for some strange. And he's already strange. married <laughs> to a peasant. To a, to a peasant wench, which is of course scandalous by itself. Is, yeah, already terrible. It's because he knocked her up. Already married. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he's already married means well, he's not can't be married again. And he's about to to pull a was it what Mary? No, Lydia Bennett. Yeah, when she, Lydia, he's, try, he's trying to Lydia her. Yeah, when Lydia Bennett runs away with the officer, who's a total douchebag, and it's a giant scandal. Yeah. Luckily, it's not a third of the book. This whole thing, because that it's would, a lot that would be like oh, six hundred pages. Third of, it's it's probably the same amount of pages. It's yeah. just not a third of this book. Yeah, it was still a lot. But he has this whole bunch of goons, and they have a plan, and they're gonna oh, we'll meet her, and then we'll 
get on her sled somewhere and then I'll bang her out and then I'll just fucking leave. Pull the sled away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just going to leave with his pack of dogs pulling his sled. Yeah, that sounds all right. But he, they say, the narrator says that this Anatole doesn't even fucking give a shit about money. He doesn't even care to learn how it works. He's just a rich asshole. He just wants to bang ladies. And he, he also like borrows money from people and never pays it back. He's like, ah, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. They'll yeah, figure it the, out. The Kurrigan family is pretty much the shit family of the whole book. And then they, <laughs> they have some more beer. beers. Jesus. So, sweet Moses. In reality, it would be vodka, but you know. Imagine trying to try a bunch of different vodkas. They all taste like the same liquid death. Indeed. Oh, it's rubbing alcohol. Oh, this one's I'm looking forward to. Okay, there's that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the last pairing is our third Finback beer of the night. We've had almost as many Finback beers here as the days when Finback gave us beers. Yeah. So don't say you wouldn't pay it forward. So this is uh, Rainbow Cookie, which is an imperial stat with almond, blackberry, vanilla, and chocolate brewed with Great Notion Brewing. And we're comparing that with uh, a McKellar NYC beer called OG Estate, which is a weeded imperial stab with Guatemala Pulcal coffee, which also works on the name because they all live on fucking estates. They do. I'll start with Rainbow Cookie. This is, this is pretty good. I'm good. And it tastes like a fucking Rainbow Cookie, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's got a weird spice taste to it. That's not, a, not spice that's exactly. Joy. But it's a taste of joy. I think the blackberry is kind of a, a tart flavor. Okay. Yeah. I've had a lot of these. These are I love these. Next one. Comparing with this is gonna be a tough one because it's also a pretty solid beer. The McKellar Parley Parley Coffee OG Estate Weeded Imperial Stout. What does weeded mean? As wheat and then oh, as opposed weeded. to just weeded. Weeded, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I also was confused with what that meant. This is not even taste like a stout. It's damn smooth. Yeah, it's weird. I think it's a ten percent or it's not like it's a uh, It tastes almost like a Yeah, ten percent alcohol. Not a brown ale, but like a it doesn't taste like a stout at all. It's different. That's upsetting because any other any other category, it would stand a chance. But I don't know. My vote's rainbow, rainbow cookie. cookie. My vote's rainbow cookie. I love this beer. Yeah, rain, rainbow cookies. Nate, you could be the descending vote. It's cool. I actually really like this McKellar beer. It's really good. Well, you can have really the whole good. thing. It's an excellent beer. It's, I drank no, the other no, three of the four pack a you know, long great. time ago. I, I can I can tell I'm already I, I'm already outvoted, but. Yeah, no, but that's, I really like this. McKellar that's perfectly beer. fair. I, really I mean, do. just because a, just because a beer loses a round doesn't mean it's bad. No, and there have been very few shitty ones today. The rainbow cookie is an interesting thing. The idea of making a beer to taste like a specific dessert item is really interesting to me, and I feel like they get really close with rainbow cookie. Which I'm also not a fan of rainbow cookies. I, I only became a fan favorite. of my adulthood. I'm generally not, but this is is pretty solid. And now that we finished round one, who gets to drink the orgy cup? <laughs> we all have to take a sip. Well, we shall take a sip. I'll take a sip. I'll take a sip. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm not only because Mike. It really is sick. So oh, don't, don't be a bitch. It. It's like eighty percent alcohol. That's how math works. I know it. Sorry. It's really good. <laughs> it's Nate, really. Nate, Nate's not gonna do it. It's, it's a. Fine. It's a little. It's a little thin-bodied, but it's actually pretty good. It's disgusting. Let's never talk about this ever again. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But we're like full Eskimo brothers on this beer. I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Just sip it. Just take a sip. Just peer, take a sip. Peer pressure, peer pressure. It really, it really tastes like any one of these. Yeah, it kind of all blends. It's a lot of coconut in there. I really... You know <laughs> it, what? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, <laughs> it's, right? It's, it's pretty good. That's, that's like, if you saw that as like one full beer, people would like it, hate you if you told them afterwards. I'm going but. to wager that is the tastiest spittoon in all of world history. <laughs> that's pretty damn good, right? 
Okay, so the final and most important part of the entire book, a part of the plot, is Napoleon's invasion of Russia. So why Napoleon invaded Russia, it almost doesn't matter. So it was pretty stupid because he wanted to. But he put Napoleon put together a giant army, like really huge army of not only French soldiers but also a million people of all. It was four hundred thousand, which is crazy, which was crazy gigantic at the time. But it was not just French; it was also the Italians, every country, the Prussians, every country that he had conquered. They had like a bunch of regiments, a lot of it. And Napoleon's whole plan. Well, okay, the way you conduct a war is you like start your attack in like you know the you know late spring, early summer, and then you just take over as much territory as possible. So what the Russians did in order to um, basically, because the Russians knew that they, if they just had to like try and stop Napoleon's army from advancing and just like try and like hold the line in a battle, that they would probably lose. And they lost more than one of those along the way. But they were like, that's not a good idea. So instead, they decided to basically retreat. Retreat, retreat, retreat. And they would just... Suck them further into Russia. Exactly. They would, like, try and pull, bring all their, their food supply. with them and so that Napoleon had no supplies or more like his supplies were all the way back in France, which was, like, getting to be, like, a thousand miles away. That presented a major problem. Meanwhile, the first... Uh, okay. The, there's a major battle in the book, which is the Battle of Borodino, which is, like, the battle just outside Moscow, which is, like, clearly... This like uh, Tolstoy goes on and on about how everybody could see Russia could not win this battle. They could see that the no, Moscow Moscow is just not defensible. So they decide to basically abandon the city. And there are a bunch of scenes about people deciding to abandon the city and people deciding not to and stuff like that. But basically, Russia abandons their capital city and burns it down. Although it might have burned down by accident. That yeah. was also a it, thing in the it book. Burns it burns down in the way that someone would burn down your house if they used your oven. It's like a weird yeah. pattern. It's like Mistress O'Leary's cow was, could also have done it. He said, like, they didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> they just kind of did it that because they, yeah, they yeah. didn't, you know, care not to. Yeah. Like, it was an accident and like, ah, whatever. If it burns, it burns. Yep. Meanwhile, most people are gone. And, and so they literally, they let, yeah, they everybody, let Napoleon, everybody evacuated. They, everybody evacuated. They burned their capital city down. And they let Napoleon have the, like, burned-out husk of their capital just to, like, deny him the victory. And they burned everything so that they couldn't... The French couldn't uh, get food and supplies yeah. there. So, uh, anyway... They burned so all the hay so the horses couldn't It was, like, because, I mean, you know, in a war, at least definitely up to that time, it was, like, cap, you know, capturing your enemy country's capital city would be, like, well, there's that's checkmate. That's, like, the end of the thing. That's, like, the end... That's the end of the war. But in this case... Russia's will, 13 time zones long. Yeah. So they let Napoleon have it, and like, okay, fine. And he clearly had not won at that point. Anyway, meanwhile, Pierre, he has... This, is, this is the part of the book that I thought was going to be exciting, but was still a disappointment. Oh, I'm going to go kill Napoleon, that part? Yeah. Whereas, I'm going to go stab him. Pierre, who like kind of took part in the battle and kind of didn't, and then... He, didn't, he just kind of was like, I want to go see what it's like. Yeah. He just like rode around like, oh, this is crazy. Exactly. And people are like, what are you riding around like, for? Dude, get but the fuck did. out of here. It's like, oh, this but is weird. But he like stays in Moscow, and he like dresses not as a like a, you know, the, you know, rich dude that he is. And then he hatches this plan to assassinate Napoleon. Like, he it's is not going even to a good curse plan. It's not a good plan at all. He's like, I'm going to walk up to him and shoot him. Because he completely fails. That's but, it. Um, he, he is going to try to figure out where Napoleon is in the city and literally to shoot him. Like, he's going to yeah, try to personally kill him. It's not so much a plan as an idea. Yeah. 
but he spends a lot of time thinking about it, and that's the best he can do. And this this is the part where I was like, oh, that's gonna be cool. That's like he's gonna like there's gonna be a dramatic thing where where Pierre gets like really close to Napoleon and tries to shoot him, but then gets like you know, uh, but the guards keep him away and he just barely but he misses. Never no. gets close. Pierre does in the in the actual book. Pierre doesn't get close. He instead decides to like save one dude and then talk to some French guy for for a day. He makes he makes friends. Part of the con is he makes friends with a French officer so that he thinks he can get in with oh, him. Okay, yeah, fair. And like a Russian guy, a drunk dude at the bar is going to shoot him, and he saves the French guy. He's like, oh, if I get in with the French guy, I can get in with. I can go find Napoleon. And so that part of the plan is, you know, I don't think he even planned it, but it happened. And he's like, ooh, this will work well. And he does that. And they make good friends and they get shit-faced and, you know, hang out. And then instead of actually doing it, he breaks up a fight with some people yeah. out of nowhere. And then he goes, saves a girl from a burning building. And then he gets locked up as a prisoner of war. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that, that's it. So it was that's like, his whole plan. It was so dumb. It was pretty dumb. Meanwhile, Prince Andrew is spending nine books dying of a wound. <laughs> it's like, oh, and I am so understanding of all of life now, now that I am dying. Give me four more books to die. Natasha, I'm so sorry that you were a hoe. Oh, right. So <laughs> oh, he's she's wounded in the battle. Well, she, ends oh, they up meet at, up in weird... At, at her estate. At her house, at her after, estate. After they've evacuated Moscow. Yeah. And they've just taken in some wounded soldiers, and one of them happens to be Prince Andrew. And they're, they're bringing them in by the cartload, and I just, I'm just picturing like a wheelbarrow full of dead guys. It's probably what they were doing. Or it's, almost it's, dead guys. It's carts full of dead Russians, yeah. yeah and then it's like, oh, like, here's some other like, ones. They, they knew, like, this one's Prince Andrew. Like, let's bring him to his family. And so... Because uh, a funny hat or something. I don't know. And they, like, tried to keep it secret from Natasha, but she found out, and then she went to see him, and it was so sad, and then he died. Because she had broken off their the, engagement yeah. because she had a boner for... Kurrigan. Well, I thought though. he broke it off. Like she was like, "Oh my!" Oh, well, he was sort they of broke like, it off each other because she broke it off to get with him. It was so and scandalous. Then it didn't happen because he was already married. And then Prince Andrew was like, "Ugh, I'm not gonna do that because yeah. you're a little hoe." But it was so scandalous that she would have even considered or almost run, run away with the other dude with Anatole Kurrigan. That she's like, just, they couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And now that he's mm-hmm. dying, he's like, "Ugh, it's cool." I get it. You're a child. Anus Hole died in the battle too. Right? He got his like leg chopped off or something like that. His leg. He lost a yeah, leg. Yeah, yeah. He dies. Does he but die? he then later dies. Right. He, he's yeah, in yeah, the yeah. same battle. I don't even remember. Who gives a shit? He guy doesn't shit. live through the through the war. Yeah. He's in Anus Hole. And Helen dies of a heart attack. Right. No, no, she no, dies no. of abortions. <laughs> Does she die of abortions? No. Essentially, uh, not quite. So she but is she going to. So she wants to divorce Pierre and then marry some other dude. And uh, he's a, but he's she a goes to talk to everything. She goes to talk to a Catholic priest, and she's going to convert to Catholicism. But then, instead of converting to Catholicism, she decides to kill herself. It it was like it's so my bad. I, the I, book, I mean, I actually read it. and I didn't understand what. I don't even remember that was, at all. So in my book, there were a lot of footnotes about this. That apparently, within that, I can't remember the specific. I had where they no were. footnotes. It was it was he used very clearly understood in the time uh, euphemisms for she took some sort of drugs to have an abortion. Oh, really? And died from it. Oh, because mm-hmm. in my version, I had no footnotes, and I thought she just died of a heart attack. I was like, that's it. Yeah, they just killed her off screen was, like that. It was very um, uh, under because she was fucking like two different dudes. So <laughs> she, she was she was clearly like pregnant, and then she tried to take some sort of thing to have an abortion, some sort of like special tea or something. 
maybe kombucha. Was that tea know. consisting and of? Then she, <laughs> was, that, was the tea consisting of two beers? It could have been two beers. Yeah, this might have worked too. So in uh, one glass, you have Yada from Finback. This is our our, our uh, what's the sweet sixteen? Is there like a name for the eight? Elite eight. Elite eight. I believe it's the elite eight. Right. Elite eight final four. Is there a beer pun we can do for the elite eight? Ale eat eight. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here in the Elite Eight. This is Yada compared with all stats. <laughs> Marshall Zukov. Which one are we doing first? Yada? We've tried them both, man, so just oh, put yeah. them next to each other. I'm, I'm totally trying the Marshall Zukov. Oh, yeah, that totally counts as trying, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no competition. No competition. None at all. It's Yada for sure. It's Yada, yeah. That coconut is amazing. It's, 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 so I'm actually I, mean, I also it. really like coconut just in general, but, man, that is so I've good. been keeping track of what gets, them, what gets more votes, so... Like what gets each round? So like Yada won three at three out of three, Zukov had three out of three, and now Yada gets three out of three. Like, but we kind of knew how that was going to go. That that semifinal or whatever. Zukov won two out of three. It was Zukov versus Iron Orchid. No one voted for this. They did, voted one. Who yeah. voted for Iron Orchid? Oh, like total votes. Yeah, like okay. each okay. round. Gotcha, gotcha. Just okay. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I thought you meant like rounds. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. No, because in the other later on, like the candy bar won two out of three of us like that, and the rainbow cookie was two out of three. The rest were unanimous, so that's pretty good. Yeah. You feel pretty confident about those decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. Much it, like I feel confident that Helen was a, a hussy bitch. A smut. So the, she uh, was a smut. But that's, this is one of the many, many examples in this book where, depending on the edition you read, the translation you have, the annotations yeah, you have. I had no yeah. fucking idea. Yeah, you were reading like the 1882 version of the book. I was reading was just the, straight like, text. This is just straight text. Here's the French translations. Yeah. So I got nothing. I thought, like, she just, oh, she died. Like, okay, sure. People died back then. Convenient for fucking Pierre. I really thought she killed herself rather than become Catholic. That's really what it felt like to me. (laughs) Wow. Thanks, guys. So uh, I just, I mean, I I thought it was just a really random turn. Though, frankly, at this point in the book, I was speed reading through. So I was, like, kind of skimming. I was, like, reading every word, but probably only processing every third. Just yeah, like, yeah, uh, that's fair. okay, I get what's happening on this page. If you process only every third, yeah. you still read like two or three full books. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's a Catholic now? That's random because throughout the whole book, it was so important for them to be Christian, but they're Russian Orthodox. Like, they're praying between before the, I- the icons that are in their homes and they're wherever. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, I'm going to skip that because it's convenient. She was just in the book to be a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really all Piece it was. of shoot. All right, cool. Uh, and then, so the end, like the book doesn't do a good job of explaining how Napoleon, of being good, or explaining how Napoleon actually lost the war, which, okay. And then the last part of the plot before the first epilogue is like, um, it's kind of like Pierre is in like a POW camp before that was a thing. And then they were just, yeah, ended just up being, being rescued. And then they like ended up like fighting some people, and he gets then, rescued like, by lost. he gets rescued by a bunch of people and Natasha's brother who dies in the rescue in the rescue assault. Oh, Piotr, Piotr, who's like, I really want to join, and his dad's like, No, because we're rich. You're not going to join the army. And then throughout the whole, we haven't mentioned this throughout the whole book, and I, I guess this is logical. Everybody worships the czar. Like every time the czar does something, people weep. Yeah. It's like yeah, he's people in the are room just, and he's just, they're just in well, they, awe. They do have that whole czar. scene in book two or book three when where he throws he, the bread before the or battle like, of Austerlitz. Yeah, or is it after the battle when he's like oh. sitting sitting under the tree? Is like he just looks like a fucking humble douchebag, and it was like I can't believe he looks like a regular person because uh. he just got his shit kicked in. Yeah, he's just like a regular dude. And who's then like really rich. What was it? Um, before the invasion or like after it was after they lost Moscow. 
and someone's talking to him, and he's like, I would rather every serf dies than <laughs> ever submit to Napoleon. I will fight with him and die with him as long as all of my people die before we give up. And it's like, that's not a good plan. I don't know how you feel about that. You clearly <laughs> I don't know how they feel about that. And shit. that. Sounds like a Russian, Russian czar, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sounds accurate. Yeah. You know what Russian czars drank a lot of? Another round of beer. Well, they did. Imper- Russian imperial stouts. Yeah. Continuing the ale eat eight. <laughs> we have uh, here imperial biscotti chili hazelnut D's nuts break and oatmeal raisin cookie paired against each other. Very, very different beers. Interesting. Interesting. Very beer. different. So let me ask you, what is your guys' criteria? Is it which one would you want to drink more of? Which one do I like better? But what does that mean? I would say which one do I want to drink more of? Because I, I, yeah, I think what you're getting at is there's a difference between what is more unique yeah. versus what would I drink more of. Like, because being unique and different makes it special, but does that make it better than I would rather just drink a lot more of the other one, even if it's more regular? And that's, in, uh, that's up to anybody to decide for themselves. I'm going to go with what I'd rather drink more of. This is a tough one for me this round. You have this very sweet dessert beer, and you have this also pretty damn sweet stout. I'm going with oatmeal raisin. It hurts me, but I have to go with biscotti break, because I really like oatmeal raisin. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, that's why I vote first, so uh, it's not up to me. I mean, they're both good. They're, ver- they're very different. But if we're going based on, like, I'm going based on, like, just whatever I like more. But also, I mean, I guess that would mean whichever I would drink more of. Yeah, sure. But it's, you know, it's, it's intangibles. It's intangibles. But I think intangibles and which I would want to drink more of, I would drink more of the oatmeal raisin one. I'm going to go with oatmeal. All right. That is what I'm going to go That's your with. favorite cookie. By the way, you could view our, uh, our brackets have been uh, posted on our website probably and our socials, like a bunch of teenage girls. If you want to see our Just shitty like Natasha hand, Rostov. watch our handwriting deteriorate over the evening, and or uh, watch Nate's stay the or same. from the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> and watch us just uh, uh, spill beer all over ourselves and our our belongings. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Andre dies. Uh, there's like he, he a like couple jumped of little on a grenade battles. or something, right? Like a grenade hit him in the stomach or something, and then I, I don't remember the, what happened. Apparently, he, he took forever to die. I think it was Chekhov. This is one of the footnotes in my book. Chekhov was apparently a doctor. The writer, and no he's he he lived you know a generation or so after this book, or maybe during overlapping with the book, and he's like, oh, based on what happens in this book, if that wound happened today, we definitely could have treated that wound, <laughs> which is a funny thing to say in such a right, yeah. de- desolate, desperate place as Russia seems to be in our imaginations. But you could probably say that for virtually every wound in the book. <laughs> yeah, he didn't die of yeah. a mm-hmm. scratch and the poops. <laughs> <laughs> he's got terminal poops. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, millions of people have died of terminal poops, okay? <laughs> That's one of the biggest killers in human history. Terminal poops is a great band name. <laughs> you know what? Trademark. Okay. Uh, or terminal poops. <laughs> All our album. songs are number two, never number one. A <laughs> <laughs> new album is the shit. <laughs> okay, so uh, the time of the poops, I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, okay, end of the book. <laughs> Napoleon's defeated. He actually lost devastating numbers of soldiers. Was this, was this a, a Pyrrhic victory? Or did they just lose and not know it? So the war was definitely like Napoleon's to, to lose. Like he had all the advantages. He had way bigger army. He's won every battle for the last he decade. He knew what he was doing. And the fact that he didn't win, even though Russia lost a lot of people too, the fact that he didn't That's win means, every war. means 
it has to be Russia won. And you know what? This is Russia's really greatest victory. Arguably greatest victory. Definitely greatest victory up to that point in history. And the only possibly greater victory was 2016. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's not what I was thinking, but But that is definitely partly true. I knew Um, you'd like that joke. Okay. (laughs) uh, Was, was defeat, was defeating Hitler. That's, that's like the other one or Leningrad or some shit. Yeah. Well, no, the whole defeat of Germany in World oh, War II, yeah. like total. Anyway, they defeat they defeat Russia, and I mean uh, Russia. Sorry, Russia defeats France by basically waiting till winter sets in, and the and the French soldiers are not prepared. They're like, who the fuck would live here? Like they are not prepared at all. Over the course of <laughs> over the course of like, These by the time it got co- by the time it got cold, this place is shit. And this, and the Russians started to actually counterattack of Napoleon's original four hundred thousand soldiers that invaded Russia in the you know the in June of the year before. Only forty thousand made it back, so it was like ninety percent losses. Ratio. The, which were and that's way higher losses than most wars because usually like most, it's clear yeah. that oh we're just gonna lose even though we've only lost a small percentage of our men, so they just. They cut and run. To, yeah, they cut and run, exactly. But 90% losses were just so devastating. That was the end of and it Europe's was because, army. It's because the French soldiers were deserting on like, huge numbers, or they were dying, or they were freezing to death, or dying of starvation, or actually... Shitting themselves to death? Shitting themselves to death, for sure. <laughs> Terminal poops. And, uh, <laughs> and just losing battles, although it was mostly just like a running retreat they all the way it, back to France. And this whole thing where like, the Russians would capture French soldiers, and they're like... They tried real hard to take care of them, but they were also starving. Yeah. So they like couldn't feed the prisoners before themselves, so the prisoners all just starved to death. Yeah. While the Russians barely clung to life, which is normal everyday life for them. That's every winter in Russia. Yeah. So, well, we have to split this one root vegetable between the battalion. I don't know how we're going to get any <laughs> this, for you, Pierre. This one turnip has <laughs> one to feed sprig of dill people. for all of us. Listen, this isn't like, uh, you know, we're aristocrats where we have two onions for breakfast. <laughs> anyway, and then Pierre marries Natasha. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. She gets over Andrew yep. eventually. Rules. Well, he's dead. Several weeks, several weeks after his death. Yeah. <laughs> and because she's still dead. a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though she's, as they say, a little thin now from being sad. But Pierre is chubs, so he's cool. Pierre's like Pierre's this whole time has been like a big fat guy. He probably lost he's some rich. weight and he lost some weight in the uh, prison camps, but uh, he's still a big guy. He's come out of it after having a fucking like you know amoeba amoeba dysentery and uh, tapeworm, and he's like, "Get ready for the beach." You know, he's like slimming down, and he spent yeah. he spent a whole chapter or eleven chapters <laughs> I don't even remember uh, trying pages. to arrange the letter of Napoleon's name to. Sp- to numerology or to be the devil spell out 666 yeah. <laughs> or as it's called in the book illuminism illuminism yes oh that was i remember that he, he he's reading like this is when he's in the freemason stage yeah and yeah. he's like leroy napoleon he tried oh. to like and then he was like what if i just leave out a letter i was like well then it doesn't fucking count but then he also puts his own name he's like am i the devil <laughs> and like no <laughs> it's like you're just some guy good. i was real worried <laughs> he just puts anyone's name he's like frank the butcher no okay he's not the devil either but he puts a whole bunch of bullshit stupid names in yeah. there it's so it's ridiculous but I, I that that was the passage of the book i was like all right I, I, this is that's about midway through the book I was thinking, 
is the book going to be kind of contrasting Pierre and Andre? Well, like also and their worldviews because they had like a lengthy philosophical the, debate. For the at one beginning point. of the book, everyone is like thinking Napoleon's the best. Yeah, like Pierre too is like, wow, oh, Napoleon's yeah. great. He's such a noble man. He's like, just he's the shit. I would totally suck on his penis if I saw him. his tiny little French cock, mm, a little baguette, <laughs> <laughs> petite, petite baguette. Yeah, exactly. But then everybody's like, ah, no, he sucks balls. Actually, but, he killed tens of thousands of us. Well, you see the shift in the middle of the book or so, two-thirds through, where they're all speaking French, and then later on they all start speaking. Like, someone says, like, you, you got to speak Russian. Don't speak French here because people get mad. And many of the aristocrats are taking Russian lessons. There was, like, one lady, Madame Bourienne. They, I, I she, was like, no she was like, I think she was, like, Count Rostov's wife or some shit. Hmm. Like the old guy, they don't speak like Russian. She didn't speak Russian, but she was a Russian, but she didn't speak it. Yeah, that's how out of out of touch the aristocracy is. And you wonder why they had a revolution just a couple years after Tolstoy's death. Maybe it's because they didn't have enough beer, but we mm. do. We do. They definitely had enough vodka, but maybe not enough beer. So we have here the even more candy bars versus fudge. I got to go with the candy bars. That is. I, I, I know you cannot have more than one of these beers in a day, like a 16-ouncer of this. Yeah. I know from the cold, no, hard I, I, bitch of experience, you can't have more than one, or it starts to taste like old pennies and death. But <laughs> it is so good. I think, I think you were bleeding in your mouth, man. I, it might have been. <laughs> but it really is like, oh, this is so overwhelmingly yeah. sweet. Fudge is really good, but candy bars is... like If I drank a whole one of it, I would regret it, but it's, it's really good. So I'm going to vote for candy bars. Sounds like Jimmy's Disney. I'm going to vote for candy bars, Jesus. but I'm gonna, it's only like... One to point seventy five. It's not like it's, it's not, not a yeah. cut. I agree. I mean, I can, I can see. I can go with candy bars. The fudge is good though. It is. No, they're they're both they're both good. We're getting close to the end. Uh, so then, uh, you know, they they kind of all it all kind of settles out. Uh, we didn't really talk about Sonia. She gets dicked over every time. Fuck is Sonia. Natasha's sister, oh, right, who was yeah. supposed to marry Nikolai, who said we never talked about him. But there's a whole bunch of other shitty characters, and they they all suck. Yeah, there's a lot of other characters. We we talked about the the important ones, but yeah, like the whole there's it kind of ends and that's it. Well, except oh. for the, and, then, and there's the epilogues. Well, there's the bullshit. F- the first epilogue, which is basically just uh, just uh, Pierre and Natasha. They like have a family. Yeah, and they're, they're like a shitty family. Where she but, like gets old, less shitty than before, but yeah. still. But she like gets old and doesn't want to do anything and just stays home and like fucking whips her man into control and everyone's like yep she runs the place in exchange he's allowed to do whatever he's allowed to run the house completely as he sees fit as long as he doesn't do anything which is an odd combination kind of had that feel of like the end of an 80s movie where they are in the credits and they show random characters and they're like freeze on a guy and it's like hey 10 years later that guy did this died of syphilis it's like the end of Stand By Me yeah got stabbed in the neck or at McDonald's Animal House you know, yes. I, I mean, honestly, and whereas the biggest, the biggest dumbest kid went on to be a U.S. senator. Oh yeah, but in this, uh, the epilogue is pretty much just Pierre and Natasha. I guess because yeah, the important characters are mostly dead at that point. Like Andrew's dead, and yeah, that's true. I just, I just felt like this means nothing at this point in the story. Yeah, I was so done by that point. And then the second epilogue is a whole other beast. Nate described it well. Uh, I think you called it a second fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a final fuck you at the end of such a fucking ridiculous book. Oh, yeah. you've made it this far? Well, allow me to go fuck you. Well, right let me make it worse. Let me make it worse for you. Let me spit in your mouth. So, 
I definitely <laughs> did not read the second epilogue thoroughly. No, or I didn't either. dig into all of its philosophy. I, but sk- then I skimmed he, it pretty hard. He talks about the nature, the nature of history or the nature of writing history, about how all history books are bad because how do you really know where power comes from and it's like the will of the people and who really gets it which, which he, he's, blah, he's, blah, blah, blah. he's peppered throughout the whole book yeah it was and not now he just but... fucking stuffs his whole man cunt into your mouth <laughs> for the rest of the epilogue and Here, it's Warren Peens <laughs> and it's like not nearly as short as it needs to be if, no. if it it's was like, only it's like tw- 12 chapters or at if least. it was only like 5 pages it would go okay fine he's just making a final statement but it just went on and on and anyway He's right. He's sort of right. He's sort of wrong. But I'm not even going to talk about it because I didn't read it very carefully. So who knows? No, I mean, in some ways, he's 100% right. But I just don't want to read about it anymore. His whole thing was... So the thing is, he's kind of combating what the way history was written and taught and understood in his time, which was that it was history is the product of the actions of a few great men. Yeah. I mean, in some places, it's still taught that way. Yeah. It's still commonly taught that way. It's how we know history for the most part. Like, George Washington started America. Well, that's if you had a shitty teacher, for sure. Yes. It, but it, it is a very simplistic way of doing things. And, and there's, there's some validity to that in some cases, but it, it, it obviously misses the bigger picture. And Tolstoy seems like, no, history is not made up of the actions of a handful of dudes. It's made up of the actions of, like, a million people. And all these different things. Which, okay, well, let's, let's stop there. Because this is really gets to why Tolstoy wrote the book the way he did. Because he believes that writing a history book the way an academic historian of the time, or even today, really would have written it, is the wrong way to tell history. Thank God he, he was no trying to way. novelize history because he believed that history is actually the story of all the regular people in all of their actions Okay, or more like that's what a history book leaves out. That's what a traditional history book it leaves out, like the regular people. Although he just mainly told the story of the aristocrats. Yeah, which he was like sounds like he's the regular people. He's going to make Howard Zinn really proud, and then it's like actually I'm only going to focus on the uber wealthy people. Uh, but yes, those are the regular people. The serfs are sub, which were only in like one scene once. The serfs, which was like also ridiculous. But it's it's not just though the point about who what people Tolstoy decided to focus on is like, he definitely focused still on the rich people. Like what was he thinking? But at the same time, he was trying to tell the stories of like regular people's lives. Who were they going to marry? Who got screwed over? Who had an affair? Who had, you know, just sort of like the actual issues that people deal with in their day to day lives, not just world politics and what country is invading another country and what war, who wins what war. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to show history more from the lens of a person in their actual life. Yeah, but it was stupid. I don't think he really achieved that. I mean, he did tell stories about... It was one layer down. Exactly, one layer down. It is very much like a soap opera, like this whole book. It is like, you know, as you said, it was um, Pride and Prejudice. It's Pride and Prejudice in Russian. Pride and Prejudice in Napoleon. You know, that's that's a lot of the book. I guess if we were to really think about it and to be fair the serfs had no say in politics and it was like right, you gotta go to true. war they're like mm, let's talk about it so like the decision but makers do these people have any say they're just like i will do whatever no, the czar yeah, does, and i'll suck his cock while i do it yeah but was, i guess you know like the, the the czar said we're gonna do this and everybody's like well he is the god of russia so shit so it's it's a mix of things but it's you know it's like a cultural 
people getting onto the zeitgeist and whatever the fuck. You know what they need to get onto? This last round of the L8, 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 eight, 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 eight. I don't know how the fuck I was going to say D's nuts, but that'll work too. Okay. So here we have Prodigal from Perennial versus Rainbow Cookie by Finback. Tough call. Oh, yeah. It's not, let's not be ridiculous, guys. I, my, my vote's been obvious for a while. Yeah. It's Rainbow Cookie. Yeah, it's Rainbow yeah. Cookie. I mean, come on. It's, it's, were, you, yeah. were you unanimous on that? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. The Prodigal, I mean, listen, none of these beers have been bad. There are no losers tonight. Except, except our, our livers. Except our livers, yeah. And the amount of blood in my body. And perhaps my marriage. But other than that, we're going to be doing okay. The beers have all been excellent. But it's, you know, it's like, a, it's like an appropriate metaphor. It's a... It, it, <laughs> it's a simile. As a joke. As a, as a, as a, Fuck as a, you. <laughs> I know what the difference is. Oh, Jesus Christ. We have to do so many more. Okay. So well, his, not that many more. So not that many more. But this is the book. Okay, so his whole shit is... The great man of history model versus like the people thing, which is definitely important, right? Like there's so many different lenses you could view history through. Nate and I have done a lot of this in school as a bunch of history nerds. Yep. And there's like, you know, you could view it through the lens of underrepresented people, which is kind of what Tolstoy pretends he's doing. Okay. But I it, wouldn't say that wasn't really a thing in his time. isn't the right word for it, but telling through the lens of not just Napoleon and Alexander. That was kind of new, as far as I know. I mean, sure. there is a, there's, there's some truth to that. But was the, what is there a, a, a name for that today? There's like the great man of history thing, which is largely shunned. And then there's various sort of... Societal history? Uh, I don't want to say... I don't want to use the word identity, but that's like the best thing I can think of right now. Like, you know, there's all these various studies things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We could talk about... Uh, through economic class, which is like Marxist studies or yeah. something. That you can okay, talk well, wait, wait. Okay, you can definitely talk about look at history through economics and not have it just be Marxist. You can definitely but look at like economics as just like even uh, and classist is a classist history. Well, what's Marxist then? What's okay. Marxist? What's a Marxist? Marxist history? would be more about class. Actually, would be a, a different thing. So there's that thing. Then you could view it through like political institutions and their roles and their responsibilities and how effective they are at which times and how ineffective they are at which times. And that is sort of also another separate... I mean, I'm really thinking more of like American history when I think of this. But you, there's that's also... That's what we, yeah, we don't know the Russian the, history. So. Viewing yeah. history through the lens of, the, of women is a different mm-hmm. thing. Viewing it through the lens of various ethnic groups, uh, especially for American history, we do this a lot because... Yeah. Our history. We have a lot of groups. We have a lot of different groups, and then you know, there's a More lot so of, than than Russia. Russia, it's, but fuck, I don't know shit about Russia. So I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, th- that that part of Russia, it's more class. There's not, there's not a lot of ethnic groups. That well, they still mention them though, throughout this whole book, right? I mean, you can be you can go through to find. Well, yeah, they talk like, about the like Cossacks. The, the they talk about the Armenians. And, they talk about the Ukrainians. Yeah. There are elements of that. Yeah, uh, but there's like all these different ways you can view history. There's just so many different ways. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are many yeah. more. I mean, there's also like things about, you know, nowadays in the academic world, it's kind of exploded into a lot of different things with like gender studies and, sex, you know, things about queer studies and disability studies and every possible I- identity you could have using that as the lens to view certain historical events. It's, yeah, it's, it's basically but, like it's impossible to see things as one But it's also not as just identity way. that people decide to write different narratives of history. It's, all, it's just really like different disciplines, like his economics and politics. Sure. Are not necessarily focused on any one identity at all. Anyway, back to War and Peace. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Back to War and Peace. Let's do the final four. 
Oh. It's time yeah. for the final four here. This round is, well, Yada, coming from the... Uh, I wish I knew more to like make jokes like Big East and shit like that, but I have no idea where it's coming from. Though in beer, it would be Big East. <laughs> big East, But yes. I, I don't know. If that's even but aren't they all Big East? Yeah. I mean, I would try to come up with another one for yeah. other conferences or something. Anyway, it's Yada from Finback, the uh, snacky dessert stout versus... Oatmeal raisin cookie from Decadent Ales. Everyone's Both grandmother's favorite cookie. And Nate. <laughs> Oatmeal raisin cookies are pretty banging, I have to say. I, I don't, they're they're not my favorite, but they are good. I don't like them. I don't know who fucking came up with that weird combination of things, but yeah. Someone who was like, I need more fiber. I need to shit out this chocolate. Help me lubricate cookie, my insides. I want, I want a cookie, but I want to poop immediately. <laughs> Ooh, these are wildly different beers. They are wildly different. They're both fantastic, but I mean, I, it pains me to say this because I fucking hate coconut. It's a dumb flavor. It's not even oh, a real it's, nut. It's an amazing flavor. It's a <laughs> it is not a real. Flavor. I hate coconut everything except this. I don't get this it. Is, this is amazing. It doesn't make any really sense because you're far more interested in coconuts. Well, yeah, I'm a goddamn American, aren't I? <laughs> I want some cock and butt coconut. You said, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> So we established. Uh, I, I mean, I've been going Yada the whole time. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned what's going to happen in the next round. My vote's been Yada. I mean, oatmeal raisin cookies so damn good, but I like the Yada better. Yeah, it's so, it's so nice. It, I have to go with Yada. I do. So that's another unanimous win. God damn you, Finback. So uh, the epilogue thing is where he says, "What the fuck was that?" And yeah. why did I do this to you? Then it was awful. It was it terrible. Was, it was just, okay. Uh, Different discussion question. Why do people like this book? Because they're assholes. I think nobody likes this book. And I everyone think it's was just it makes them feel good about themselves. And everyone was just told they're supposed to like this book. So when they're asked if they liked this book, they say, "Yeah, I liked this book." I think it's Is because you, it's, you know it's one of those like mostly it's because it's the longest book. And, and just like, say, wow. "I read it. I'm superior," which is what we're going to say. Yeah, 100% was why I did it. Yeah, I've been saying mm-hmm, that, that for a lot of books over the years, but I could say it for the next one now. I think there's an element of having read a giant book that you have to save face. You're like, I invested a lot of time in that. Good point. I can't say it was for nothing. You know, you can't have read a 1,500-page book and spent... I mean, if I've re- we read this pretty aggressively, and it took us about a month. Yeah. But if you if you were a casual reader, this could be a five, six, eight month journey. Up until this book, like this this was bigger than Don Quixote for me, which was like my previous personal max. Sure. Of like I spent and that was that was like one of the first books I read I read when I started getting back into reading. So it was like, holy shit, I really should have like worked my way up to this. And it took me a month. But I just like read it on the train, you know, like commuting back when I did commute. But this was, it was a feat. And you know what? Like, I hated it for the most part, and it was long, and it was a goddamn nightmare. It wasn't a, it wasn't bad. It wasn't by any means like a bad book. It was just, it was, it was definitely fifty percent too long, easily. It wasn't hundred percent. It wasn't like poorly written or stupid, for the most part. It was just like it was too much. If it wasn't, if it wasn't this long, it would not be this famous. If it was another 800-page yeah. Russian book, it would just be mixed in with the rest yeah, of them. Yeah, if it was like uh, you know, the other fucking ones, like what the fuck, Karamazov and... Anna Karenina. I think also there's something like bombastic about the title of the book. He said the original, the original title was The Year 1805. 
Yeah, that's even shittier. That's just stupid. Oh, very pragmatic Russians. Uh, uh, did you ever see that Seinfeld where he Jerry convinces Elaine that the original title was War, What Is It Good For? <laughs> <laughs> and then she starts saying that. Like she works for a book publisher and then they have this other random Russian writer she has to entertain for an afternoon. And she's like, yeah, yeah, Tolstoy doesn't want to call it War, What Is It Good For? And like, that is not true. And she's like, no, it's true. And she started like, war. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Good God. And she's like singing. And he's like, that is not true. And he gets all mad at her and he like punches her in the head or something. That, that would have been a better title. War, what is it good for? I mean, that was kind of the point of the book was this is war is stupid. But the peace element was kind of missing in the book. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of peace. Yeah. It's like the whole the, point of it, a lot of it, like at the beginning especially, was that like these society parties were just like war. Oh, that's fair. This is like, oh, it was a constant battle of trying to one up each other and fucking, like, you know, get alliances and, you know, fuck someone in a trench or whatever, you know, or in their trench. Fucking where it stench. Yeah. Is. So it's, there was almost no peace in the book. Just between wars. Yeah, but between that wars, was between, war was, between wars was the, uh, the wars of societal. I feel like if a writer would have written the same exact with the same exact intention today, that connection would have been way clearer. You know, like the connection of it doesn't exist. This is like war too. Even people write period books all the time, but it would come off as a hipster trash today. I don't know, man. There are very talented writers that could take a a weird historical thing, like uh, like uh, Cavalier and Clay comes to mind, or Middlesex. Which we haven't done on the show, but we need to. Like books that take place in a weird time, and they really capture all the details of that time. But I mean, like, and like a they, book uh, where they talk about like the how stupid war is, and how it's dumb. That's a totally common thing now. He wrote this at a time when it was like war is all that will ever make you a man. So if you do that now, it's like okay, yeah, fuck off. We get it. But it, I have a different idea as to why people like this book. Tell, Although, me, tell me your idea, Nathan. Please. So I read the introduction to the translation before I started before I started the actual thing. It's only and the this length of a by full book. Orlando Big Blooms. Jones. Orlando Bloom. Not Bloom. It's not Orlando, Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones. Figs? Seven Up Guy. He's on Mad TV. Up yours. On any first reading, War and Peace is bound to dazzle with its immense panorama of humanity. The whole of life appears to be contained in its pages. Tolstoy presents us with a cast of several hundred characters, yet each one he brings such profound understanding of the human condition with all its frailties and contradictions that we recognize and love these characters are reflections of our own identity. I don't love any character. Is that guy suggesting some people read this twice? No, wait. Read that. That was the second paragraph of the introduction. First paragraph. First reading. In 1951, after reading War and Peace for the twelfth time, the Russian writer Mikhail Prishvin noted in his diary that he felt at last that he understood his life. So apparently, people do read this more than once. And then he kicked the stool out from under him, (laughs) and he dangled until he died. If I had to read this twelve times, I would, I would lose my fucking mind. That is completely. I'm not going to say I would kill myself. But I would consider it. I think some people will read this and really, really care about the characters, really, really get invested in what happens next in the plot, would really, you know, things deeply and cares a lot about who ends up with who and who lives and who dies. I think, and, and in the middle of the 19th century, 
when people just had a lot more time and there just weren't very many other books published, they were probably more likely to do that and weren't used to things so much more fast-paced as today. That probably also makes a difference. But I will say, for me as a person, I I did not care about the characters. Most of them were bullshit. They were very one-dimensional. I thought Pierre was the only truly like interesting character. Andrew was like second. Natasha was almost an interesting character. Almost. Mary wasn't that bad. But for the most part, everybody else was like, uh, they did one thing. Yeah. That's it. And for some reason, some people, I don't know what it is about them, because I'm just not that way. Maybe it's because I'm on a mission to read a lot of books, and that this is such a long book, and that I want to get through it so quickly, and I don't want to dig into all the details, and I want to spend... I don't read two chapters and then spend hours pondering. Pondering, exactly. I mean, that, yeah, that's probably part of it. I mean, we some people like delve. that kind of thing. We don't delve. It's, you know, I didn't really like Dune very much. Probably required the same kind of thing. Same thing with really Lord of the Rings. And for yeah. people who really love that kind of thing, yeah, I can you, see them. spend the extra time. Also, I mean, it's also not fantasy or sci-fi, but if, if people love getting into that kind of really deep stuff, maybe they would, maybe they would like War and Peace. I mean, Lord of the Rings is different because it's like you get into like the world building and the yeah, other shit. Exactly. This, this book, I, what can you really, you can get into like the symbolism or like the meaning behind things. I want to say get really into the soap opera. Expound on it. Expand? What the fuck is that word? I don't know. Expound just means talk a lot at length. Well, you could fucking do that, but... You can go to like Stone Town. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like maybe this is judgmental of me, but I'm okay with that because I've read this fucking book and I can judge people for it. As a lot of people will... It's like people who are like really into art films. It's like maybe they don't get it, but they like to put their own meanings on things and interpret it or just pretend that they're into these things, even though they don't like it. So yeah, like, oh, mm-hmm. War and Peace, Yeah. I read it. It was so great. Oh, man. I was like, why? Like, oh, it's just so much. Like, but they can't really explain it or they don't give a shit, really. I mean, I'm sure some people really do get a lot about it, get a lot out of it. And, you know, more power to them. I'm not judging for that. But I think that a lot of it, for most people, I don't know. I think, and so I was trying to say before, similar, I think a similar idea. If you've invested this much time, you have to make you sure need to, to yourself find that it's worth meaning it. Yeah. in it. You're like, it's I like, don't want to believe I wasted a month of my life reading bullshit. Like, if you, like, people have done this, psychologists have done the study where if they, if people just, like, spend more money on a thing, they will say that they enjoyed it more. I believe yeah, it. 100%. And it's not because it was any better than the people who just spent less money on the same exact thing, but because you spent more money on it, therefore you have to, like, make yeah, like yourself enjoy it People more. that sell things do that, where it's like, if you charge more money for something, people will perceive that it's more valuable. Yeah. It's yep. the same thing. It's like, ooh, this book is long, and I've heard a lot about it, therefore it must be better. It's entirely psychological. People are stupid. Yeah. Speaking of stupid. <laughs> we are We have the we second have half of our final four. This is a Candy Bar, even more Candy Bars edition one, versus a Finback Rainbow Cookie. This will be a tough one. And the, the Candy Bars is liquid Butterfinger, and the Rainbow Cookie is basically Rainbow Cookie in liquid form too. So it comes down to which of those flavors do you like better? I think the, the, the very, very sweet the chocolate. Thing is, I don't like rainbow cookies, but this beer is it's fantastic. I really dig it. The, can, the even more candy bars is great, but it's... I feel like I'm going to have to cut my toes off eventually. It's kind of one note. It's Butterfinger. 
it's hard to get anything else. Rainbow hooky. It's three. But three you, you get the fruit. You definitely get the vanilla. The almond, I don't know. Almonds don't taste like fucking anything. They have a taste. They have like a taste. But they're not a strong flavor. They're not like a thing like, oh, this tastes like almonds. It's like, uh. If a wound smells like almonds, that's a problem. Right. Definitely, definitely rainbow cookie. Yep. I have to say, between these two, though, I'm going to have to go with rainbow. Rainbow cookie. Yep. It has been spoken. Yeah. So, who should read this book? Absolutely no one. I mean, it's on the list. If you are of like, like someone, you if you are read. someone that reads all the time, and you have read all the shit, and you're like, I am a reader, then sure, go for it, so you can say you've done it. I mean, maybe you'll enjoy it. I mean, I think if you like, if you mostly read for just, if you just read for fun, don't read this book. Yeah. However, there it. are reasons why it is an important book. It was an important book just for the 19th century. That this was like way bigger than other books of its time, and still pretty much ever. It is also the fact that it was a way that is important book in Russian history. And if that's a thing you care at all about, then you would probably want to have to read this book. But is it a fun book to read? No. No. It is a chore. It is a major chore. There wasn't a single moment in reading this where I was like, all right, now we're getting somewhere. And I'm only in book one. In book one, you didn't know how bad it was going to be. You you were still suspending your feelings. Pierre gets drunk and goes to the party, and they dance with a bear. And then the police come to break up the party. And then off screen, they tie the bear to a cop and throw him in the river. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to party. And that's the last fun thing that happens. And that's 2% into the book. And then you have four years of reading left. I've read a few other big books, mostly for this podcast. You know, like Dune was a long-ass motherfucking book. Dune was not nearly as it long as this. It was a long-ass fucking book. It, it was long, but I, it was maybe two-thirds of this. Maybe. This is the longest book I've ever and read. It was and it, easy, it was an easier read than It this. was easier, for sure. Is, is uh, War and Peace shorter than Infinite Jest? I think War and Peace is longer. Really? I'm not sure. I mean, page-wise... It's hard to tell. You'd have to find a thing that tells you like word count. I mean, we can Google this, but yeah, I would imagine War and Peace is longer, but I don't know. But I've read Infinite Jest, and uh, I liked that a hundred times more than I like. I actually kind of liked parts of that. There are long swaths of that where I was like, this is fucking stupid. I hate what's happening to my brain. <laughs> I hate everything. I'm glad this guy killed himself. But War and Peace, there was never a redeeming passage where I thought, like, you know what? Okay, this part's cool. It all sucked. Yeah. It all was terrible. I'm glad I could check it off and say I read War and Peace. Because it's, it's a sort of thing, if, if you could say, if you, like, work that into conversation with a book nerd, and you go, oh, yeah, I read War and Peace. You get a serious amount of fucking cachet. Yeah. It's definitely... Uh, so if that's important to you, read it. There's definitely nerd street cred in having done it. Yeah. For whatever that's fucking worth. Most importantly, though, speaking of worth, we have to decide our final winner. It's it's the showdown. The showdown. And we started with three different beers from this brewery, partially because I go there almost every week. Um, <laughs> do you really go there that often? Oh, I go there a lot. <laughs> that might be why they let us do the podcast there. And uh, you've, you've subsidized all the free drinks we get from there. Oh, I spend a lot of money at Finback. We started with Wretched, Rainbow Cookie, and Yada. Wretched Are we down to out. two Finbacks? That's the last round. Oh, it's Yada versus yeah, I, forgot who, I forgot that they were both. Okay, shit. All right. Give me a, uh, uh, your rock before, we, before we do our, our final read, I'm literally on uh, Wikipedia's page of longest novels, and they're doing by word count. 
There are a bunch of things that are longer. Uh, probably no one's ever. You've never heard, heard of it. There are like two. That one's What's in the French. Longest that one's one? in French. That one might be in German. The longest one is called Les Hommes de Bonne Volonté by Jules Romain. Page count. 7,892. Pages? Volumes 27. Word count 2,070,000. Fuck that guy. I don't know even what it is. An English title, Men of Goodwill. Anyway, so this is simply word count. That's that's like five times as long as this. War and Peace. Hold on. 1.5 million or something. You see, here's the thing. It actually has Les Mis as higher word count. Hold Uh, on. It actually has Atlas Shrugged as a higher word count. Oh, I read that too. Oh, Jesus Christ. I read so some long this curves. says uh, <laughs> War and Peace is 587,000 uh, words, and then it lists Atlas Shrugged is 645,000, uh, and Les Mis is 655,000. Where's, where's Infinite Jest? Not even close, huh? I'm looking. Infinite Jest is 543,000. All right. So it is 50,000 words shorter than War and Peace. It is literally two spots down on the list from War and Peace. All right. So it's technically shorter. So is this the top 10? But it's like obscure shit no one's ever yeah, read. This is, this is, so this yeah. is, is this the longest thing people have read? Well, people have read Les Miserables. Oh, is Les Mis is longer than this? Victor Hugo, yeah. Jesus Christ. I, 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 Les Mis is, is like, a lot more enjoyable than I've heard. That's I've spoken really to people who really long, like though. Les Mis. But, words, but like yeah, when I the words to. are about something you care about, it don't matter. All, All right, right, well. I can't have, believe Les Mis is that long. We have goals for the future. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do any of that shit. This is my other one? That's your other I would do Les Mis. If it's longer than this, I mean, I've already seen the adult version, Lages, so I could uh, I could check it out. Yeah, that's true. Maybe sometime. Not when we run out of other books soon. Yeah, I need to read dumb shit for a long time. Good thing we're gonna do a whole month of short stories soon. Yeah, we could read. Yeah, that we, sounds easy. We could read that thirty like short stories in less time than it took to read this fucking book. We could read a hundred short stories. We could read a billion, but not to record the episodes. I mean, it's gonna be close. We'll find out. The showdown, gentlemen. So we've already decided War and Peace is a big turd and you shouldn't read it unless you have a penchant for being a pretentious fuck. Unless you want a circle jerk about it. Which, you know, we will be able to do for the rest of our lives and we probably all will do at least once. But for the final showdown, we have two Finback beers, Yada and Rainbow Cookie. Very different animals. What do you guys think? Just to review, what's our criteria? What's the best beer or what's the one you want to drink? Wild card. Nate, what are you doing by? Can't trust Jimmy, he's drunk. (laughs) Now, at this point, I'm going on, like, which taste do I like more? That's what I was doing. Which is, which is a little bit more vague than which is more interesting or which would I drink more of. It's personal choice. I'm like, which taste do I like more right now at this time of night after this many beers? After drinking 16 beers 16. several times. Yeah. You know, I, I think I know the answer, though. Oh, I have an answer for myself, too. Jimmy, do you have an answer? I'm ready. What are you looking at me? I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Yada. I'm going with Yada, too. I'm going with Yada. Um, <laughs> I just love coconut too much. It is the first one we tried. Man, set the stage. This is definitely like, it's, it's definitely like a one versus a point nine though. Oh, the rainbow cookie is so good. It's so good. I bought a case of it in cans, and I bought a keg of Yada. So I went all in on both. Yeah, no, they're both worth it. Good choices. If I hadn't just bought a keg of the other thing, and I would have bought a keg of the rainbow cookie. They're really fucking good. I mean, fat peach. Oh uh, yeah, I bought two kegs. What was the third finback? Wretched. Okay, so I'm Which glad. I, glad I it also wasn't, really liked. But I'm glad it wasn't like three finbacks in the final four. Well, it just kind of tells you how strong finback's fucking stout game is. Certainly. Quite strong. <laughs> Quite strong. Well, hopefully, we'll be returning there soon. 
maybe sometime next month. Hint, hint. Mm, yes. To do some stuff. But you'll hear more about that if you check us out on our various social media pages. But until then, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And if you've listened this long and you haven't uh, starved to death in the Russian winter or had your liver fail after drinking along at home, leave us a review and just round up, round up to five. Give us five stars just for doing this. It's too much not to earn that. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Suffering for our heart. Indeed. Thanks. And we are also a member of the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. So if you like us, why don't you check them out too? Thanks for listening. <laughs>